well, the one thing about the iOS security looks like it's pretty much a, uh, you know, if you actually just use your phone the way most people do, you're not going to have a problem. It's just if you, you know, go to some fake store. Oh, yeah. They, they all involve something new and different. And, and some of these security leaks are taking advantage of things that are set up for uh, our features that are set up just for companies. So the average guy isn't going to be affected by it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. If you, if you, if, unless, you know, in order to, to actually download these things, you have to go through some hoops to, to set up the ability to even to download these things, which means, you know, it's way outside the norm. Um, yeah. You know, doesn't mean somebody won't do it, but anyhow, yeah. we can save that conversation for the show. So, uh, the, the first thing up is before you sent anything to me was the thing that I sent to you yesterday, which was the, that you had already seen, but let's talk about the, uh, SSD storage in the Mac studio. So we'll start with that and then we'll go down your list. Okay. I'm going back up here trying to find out where I am. Yeah. Uh, so the first thing you sent was tech. Oh, I already, I already saw that option. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or that video. Right. So we'll just talk about that first, and then we'll move into the how to use your voice to control your TV, et cetera, and down from there. So, And I added one on the end, too. I don't know if you saw that there at the minute, but uh, somebody in tearing apart their Apple Studio found out that they have 64 gigabytes of memory of storage space. Can you imagine? Uh, the the, the yeah. monitor has more storage space than my first computer had. <laughs> just the monitor. Yeah, and, and, and the comments about it was, yeah, that, they did it because they could. <laughs> yeah, well, because the least amount of memory that the the uh, A13 uses, which is the chip in that, is 64 gig in the phone and in the iPad. So they just said, "We'll just use one of those chips, stick it in there." Yeah. You know, it's like, well, what do we need? Here's here's the minimum power we need. Will this work? Yep. Okay, we got a lot of these. Let's use that one. Okay. Yeah. So, give me a sec. Welcome to Generation Tech. I'm Todd Brinker. This is the show where you learn about what's going on in the world of tech or hear about what's going on in the world of tech from the perspective of two different generations, myself and my dad, Jack Brinker. How are you today? Just fine, Todd, and you? Dandy. Great. Dandy. Great. It's a lovely Monday morning here in Southern California. Yeah, sunny, well, we... sunny, but still cool. Uh, we had a interesting uh, family event yesterday that we should uh, mm-hmm. probably talk talk about a little bit I, not particularly because it's techy but just because we have a, a your brother or my son yeah uh, that does something that's kind of out or out of the ordinary and I just don't well there's millions of people across the country who do this every day but but uh, but he's the only one in our family that does it uh, and yeah. then he trains for and runs in marathons and yesterday was the Los Angeles marathon. And so it was his seventh run in the L.A. Marathon. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And to, and to think how all this started. Mm-hmm. Tobin had gone to a doctor, and a doctor says, you're putting on too much weight, and if you don't do something, you're you're going to be in trouble. Well, he had kidney stones. <laughs> he had kidney problems. <laughs> That's right. And they said, you need yeah. to lose weight to deal with that. So he started walking. And yeah. so uh, once, and I, and I apologize, he may not want to make that public, but uh, oops. <laughs> um, but you know, he he you know he just needed to lose weight, so he uh, he started walking. And after he's walking for a while, that wasn't getting his heart rate up the way it was. So he says, "Okay, well, I'll jog a little bit." And then he started jogging, and you know, and then it kind of just it, it blossomed from there. 
Well, yeah. I think what really blossomed it is he got students. Uh, he's a teacher, and he yeah. got some of his students interested in running with him. And yeah. so he loves doing things with his students. Well, the, the program and, Students uh, Run L.A. is actually a really great program that's been around for a while that's sponsored by the L.A. Marathon Organization. And what it is is they get kids to start running, to get out and be active. And they, you know, they start from the beginning of the school year up through the L.A. Marathon. And so they have to go to races Building up to that, they start with a 5K and then a 10K and then, you know, like a half marathon. And so they work their way up to it and they've got some corporate sponsors. So they get some they get some shoes and things like that as they move along. And so it's an interesting uh, progression. And as he got into running, he then got involved with his school's uh, program for that. He's now their coach and uh, and coaches the program, which is kind of cool. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I I always think of, <clears throat> excuse me, he ran his first uh, L.A. Marathon back in, you know, seven years ago. And it's always in March, except for the last year because of COVID delays. Um, but uh, and I remember it was just a few months later, he was out running, you know, just doing his morning run like he often does and, and uh, ran into a group of folks that had started at the beach down in uh, Huntington Beach. And they were getting ready to run a marathon a day. Uh, they, you know, they would run like seven out of eight days. The eighth day they would rest, but they would run a marathon a day every day. And they were going all the way across the United States. And you could join in uh, for portions of it. And so he, on a whim, signs up to run uh, the last last few marathons to uh, to the Arizona border. And he needed somebody to sort of drive ahead and set up water and stuff with him. So he and I went and spent a couple days uh, literally camping in a, in a campground the first two nights. And then the third night we were in a, uh, um, in a hotel. But, uh, he, you know, having run one marathon in his life a couple months later, then ran three back-to-back-to-back marathons in three days. Uh, that was just grueling. And I couldn't tell you, I was so proud and so impressed with him uh, going from Basically, you know, a, a teacher who had a relatively sedentary life to to running marathons and then three in a, three days was insane. Well, yeah. and as the, and as the dad, I should mention, you know, we had four have four children, mm-hmm. including you as one, and, and uh, three of you were generally pretty athletic. We were swimmers and mm-hmm. things like that, and of, of all of the four. Tobin was the least likely. <laughs> yeah, he was the least to, athletic. I mean, he he played or uh, he he, he was, played some soccer. He played yeah. a little bit of soccer when he was really when he was young, and then in high school he he swam one year and did well enough that he got a letter and got his jacket, and then he was done. He quit and didn't come back. Yeah, but he uh, didn't particularly like it all. It was mostly the social side that yeah, attracted. it was the social side, and well, and he wanted the jacket. He wanted to be able to have a Letterman's jacket because oh, you know right. he's a high school guy, and you want a Letterman's jacket, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, because my youngest sister, Haley, was a basketball player. She swam when she was younger, but she never was particularly fond of that. And then uh, the older of the two sisters, they're all younger than me, but the older of the two sisters, Heidi, was a swimmer and quite good at it. And I was a swimmer and quite good at it. And uh, and our kids both, <laughs> Heidi and I both had ki- have had kids that were swimmers and good at it. Her her daughter, uh, Shannon, it was uh, especially good and swam in college, uh, as did I. So, um, you know, it was... Yeah, you're right. We were fairly athletic, fairly, fairly um, uh, um, sports-minded, competitive kind of family. And he certainly has the competitive. We're all competitive. But he just wasn't real athletically minded. Um, But, uh, you know, he's he's, honestly, 
he's the only one who's doing any kind of like organized athletics now. You know, I coach, yeah. but I don't I don't actually participate in it anymore. So, uh, you know, yeah. all some told, he maybe is going to have more years as an athlete than the rest of us. <laughs> oh, he has. I think he has already. You know. <laughs> oh no, he hasn't. Because I, I mean, he he's at seven years now, and I did high school well, and eight, college eight swimming. Years, he he just skipped one marathon because of the COVID thing. So. That's true. That's true. But he really didn't train much that year either because of the COVID thing. So he stayed yeah. in. So I would say he's maybe caught up to me. Yeah. You know, because I swam high school and college, so there was there was eight years. So. Yeah. So, but you're right. That means I've got to get off my, my fanny and, uh, and yeah, start doing something say, what, again. What are you, what are you going to do to stay ahead, Todd? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that competitive gene starts kicking in, right? It's like, oh no, he's catching me. I better step it up. Yeah. You know, my activities have been more limited because of back injuries from a car accident. So I, I don't do as much as I used to do. Um, but even then I had, uh, uh, pretty much ceased most, um, I won't say physical activity, but like, you know, I didn't participate in sports like I had. Um, You know, I take that back, though. You know, when I was first married, um, when we were living in uh, North Carolina and when we lived in Ventura in North Carolina, I was part of a community basketball uh, program and I would go play basketball a couple nights a week. And uh, you you said North Carolina. I said North Carolina. I meant um, uh, Pennsylvania. When I was in Pennsylvania, I was on a weekly uh, men's basketball team. And when we were in Ventura, I played on a softball team. And for 20 years, I have bowled sometimes up to three different leagues in a week. But now it's just once a week. Uh, and, you know, as long as my back permits, I try to do that, um, uh, which, you know, it's hit and miss. But uh, but I've been doing that for 20 years. So so I'm in yeah. I'm, I'm in, in, in sports. It's just not the same sports. <laughs> yeah. You know, thinking about all of this the other day, I, mm-hmm. I talked to Tobin Saturday before the run. Mm-hmm. And uh, it at my age, sometimes I, if, I, if you get me to thinking back in the past, something mm-hmm. pops in that I hadn't thought about for years. And I don't know if you even remember it, but when you guys were still in high school, I guess, mom and I went and joined the Loma Linda Lopers, who was a, which was a group. Uh, we lived behind Loma Linda up in the hill country. Uh, and, uh, yeah, anyway, it was it was it was sort of near home, and so we would go and run with them. I think it was twice a week, as I recall, mm-hmm. uh, training way in advance for running a marathon, mm-hmm. a, a marathon. Well, it turns out we didn't ever make it. We, we started by running just a mile on each of these, and then each week you'd add some another, some more laps or whatever, right? Or more blocks, yeah, a little more and, distance, and 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 we. We got up to where we were over 10 miles, about sort of half marathon length, maybe. Uh, I don't recall exactly. But then uh, that was as far as we went because that uh, that came to an end because of mom's uh, health problems. Right. And uh, so, uh, but anyway, we, we were headed that direction. <laughs> yeah. And, and it just, I'd forgotten about it. Now, I don't know if the Loma Linda Lopers are still out there, but that, it was a running club, kind of sponsored, I think, by the hospital there, that uh, that got it going. But it was a fun thing to do because it it, it's, mm-hmm. it treat it. Uh, the 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 neat thing about the experience was if you if you never really think about it, when you go to build up to to run long distance, you know, just by just adding a little bit at a time, it your body gets used to it. You hardly yeah. notice that the additional 
uh, miles other yeah. than the, the time it takes to do it, you know I mean? Yeah, no, that's what I always tell people who are uh, starting up and swimming, the high school kids that I coach. You know, I've got some kids who've never competed before and others who comp- who've been competing since they were little kids. And, you know, your body adapts relatively quickly. If you can, you know, make it a habit for a couple of weeks, you're, you know, then it just it's what you normally do. And your body goes, okay. And then if you do your increases slowly, you know, it's like at the beginning of each swim season for high school, you know, we start out with really easy practices. And, you know, I slowly am increasing the intensity and reducing the amount of rest in between everything they do at practice. And, you know, if they walked in today uh, like they did at the beginning of the season, because we're in the middle of the season right now for high school, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they couldn't do this workout. They couldn't, yeah. you know, but, but now they look at it and go like, Oh, well, it wasn't that bad. You know, I mean, it's challenging yeah. by the way, the Lopers club at lopersclub.org still exists. They're in Loma Linda. They are a, uh, charitable corporation and, uh, you can join, you can go learn about them and, and they, they sponsor a holiday classic run as well as a training program. And, uh, and yeah, they're still there. Well, I, I was going to tell you uh, what motivated us to get started on that. There was a lady, I think she was in her 90s, and she became sort of semi-famous, got some publicity at that time on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was the national press picked it up, just a little short, you yeah. know, mentioned her. Uh, Holda Crooks was her name, and they have a Holda Crooks Park in Loma Linda named after the lady. Cool. But uh, anyway, she was in her 90s and out still yeah. running, and so it was Kind of a cool thing. And the other thing about the story was Loma Linda had uh, uh, was one of maybe four or five places in the world that had lots of people. Well, that's what I was going to say. They're, they're a designated blue zone. And, yeah, there's right. there's like a dozen of them. But, um, but yeah, they have a high propensity. But Loma Linda also is uh, uh, an area that has a whole bunch of Seventh-day Adventists who are big proponents of uh, vegetarian and vegan eating. And so um, they think that that has part of it is that the diet of a lot of people there tend to be healthier. You know, a lot of more natural foods, uh, less chemicals. Yeah, in fact, I'm in touch with a group out there in California that I exercise with weekly now uh, that uh, is from Loma Linda, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, gal leading our exercise group. And every once in a while, we'll just have a uh, a day where somebody gives a talk on uh, healthy eating. Nice. So, so that was kind of cool. Yeah. But anyway. So I, I sent I, you the link, by the way, to the, the Lopers, lopersclub.org. Oh, yeah. But I just sent you the link. Uh, you can click on it and go look at it. And they've got a history there so you can read about the club. And so, But let's okay. talk some tech. So yeah, people tech. started getting their Mac Studios and Mac Studio monitors. And... Uh, there was a little bit of a surprise when they first opened up one of the Mac Studios and did a teardown. It, it appears that there are slots for the storage. Now, the memory is basically soldered, in, and it's in the package with the, the chips. But the storage space is on a socketed chip. Now, it does mean that, doesn't mean that you can go buy memory and stick it in there because you have to have the, um, the Mac configurator uh, in order to make it work because it is highly integrated with their T2 security chip. And so, um, you know, you th- there probably won't be memory that you can, or storage, you know, you can't buy an SSD that you can just go plug in, in internally. You can always plug it into one of the, the Thunderbolt ports on the back and have really, really fast storage that way. But um, but it's interesting that, it, that you know, because they didn't mention anything about that 
when they announced it, saying that, hey, you could buy it with this, and then if you find out you need more later, take it back into your Apple store and they can upgrade it. But apparently yeah. that is the case. Well, you know, they don't like the idea that somebody goes in and tears it down, but there's always, you know, maintenance people who would like to get into that business. Sure. But, uh, uh, yeah. it, it, but it is interesting to see how it was packaged. It's a, it's a typical Apple uh, design where everything matters, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, so it was pretty yeah. uh, impressive when you watched it. I watched the video. I did too, yeah. And and for me, one of the uh, the thing that stood out to me was that the cooling is on the top and the bottom. And the reason that yeah. I found that interesting is because if you know how the uh, the M1 Max and the M1 Ultra are configured, it's two M1 Maxes with a, uh, a connection between them. I mean, it's a, it's a physical connection. It's not like they snap into sockets or anything. But right. I had read several things saying that when they come out with the Mac Pro, that the way that they might make that more is by stacking them. So the fact that their cooling system is cooling from both sides of the chip tells me that that makes more sense, that they would then, if you had a Mac Ultra with another Mac Ultra on top of it, like in a sandwich, that you would need cooling on both sides, not just on one. Yeah, yeah. And and do you suppose maybe that they that was part of the reason for using copper? I mean, uh, that added a lot of weight to the package, but it's also sure. a much better thermal conductor. Right. So, uh, well, that's what so they're using for the Ultra. For the uh, for the Max, they're using an aluminum, so it weighs two pounds less. Yeah. Which is shocking too to think that you know two computers look the same, but one of them's two pound heavier because of a heat sink. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, e even though they uh, they've got the thing well compressed, more the more electronics you put into something, the more you create thermal problems so that's always been the right the real challenge is dealing with thermal issues yeah when whenever you build large-scale integrated circuits yeah well and they don't you know if you look at it there's not a lot of room in the box because you know uh over a third of it or maybe even over a half of it is that cooling system there's a big heat sink and and fans you know yeah. but yeah. Give, given their recent history and i say recent i mean in the last you know generation of computers you know their their so-called trash can mac pro the round one the conical one that they had created basically they came out and admitted that they had created a thermal problem for themselves because they could not increase anything inside that that case because they didn't have any way to cool it off and i think with the uh mac one studio or the mac studio they clearly were not going to let that happen again yeah you know yeah. So they said, let's and, design a cooling system that we can put our computer into. Well, and the other thing that's become a science, although it hasn't been mentioned too much in these uh, these articles that since its introduction, uh, it, this is the quietness of the fans. Uh, they say yeah. that, you know, even if you put your ear down on these things, you can hardly hear them. It's just the airflow through the, uh, the vent system that that you kind of right. makes a small uh, hissing sound or something yeah but uh but you know it used to be they just used commercial fans whatever existed out there yeah That's, yeah you go buy a little pancake old... fan somewhere and and slap it in there right yeah but you know uh after the hobbyist market kind of dropped out using all these kind of components apple mm -hmm. said 
you know, people don't like to listen to fans if you're doing it 24 hours a day or 20, right. Well, sorry, or if you're if you're using day, right? it literally in a studio where you're doing recording yeah. and stuff, you can, you don't want the fan noise in the background. You want it you want it silent. You know, and so, you know, I think part of that came about, too, as they started doing more audio work, you know, their their development with speakers and stuff. You know, they've a while back, they showed some of the sound rooms that Apple works in and they've got those those, you know, um, completely non-reflective sound sound reflective rooms that they're doing things in. And I bet they put each of their devices in there and run them and say, how loud is it? Yeah. And and, and it's it's an integral part of the design as to how to uh, yeah. follow good rules and and those air, uh, uh, what do you want to call them, tubes or whatever that goes uh-huh. bring the air through are all kept with no uh, interruptions that might create uh, sound no- or noise. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's a smooth pathway for the air to flow, right. and uh, you know, and they use blower Laminar fans. Laminar flow. That was a word. Lam- yeah. Word I was trying to get out rather than. Rather than turbulence, because that's right. where you get your noise. Exactly, and the um, the uh, the blower fans uh, are more like the type of fans that might be uh, in your home's you know air conditioning system, your forced air system, as opposed to like right. a fan with blades that spins in a circle. This still spins, but it's you know, and that has to do with again how much how much volume of air it can move and how it can do it quietly. Um, yeah, it's 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 an impressive package in in terms of how they put it together. But if you've ever opened up any Apple product, they're all pretty impressively packaged. That you know, the design isn't just what you see on the outside. You know, they, they've been thought through significantly as to how they're going to be used and what kind of environment they have to live in. And uh, well, I thought they, it was interesting. All, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say the one thing, at least in the teardown and the talks, nobody at all talked about filtering of the air, and there was no right. evident filters in there. So basically what it will amount to is uh, anytime you have constant airflow for a, a product that's on, you know, maybe 24 hours a day, uh, you're going to you're going to basically collect dust out of the air unless yeah. you're in a clean room environment to begin with. That was my yeah. one concern about it is those holes that they suck in through the bottom are tiny. Yeah. The holes yeah. that they blow out through the back are tiny. Now, maybe that's because they're tiny because they expect that to be the filter, and you'll just wipe it off every so often to get any kind of lint that's collected around the, the intake. But if you don't pay attention, that could plug your intake and cause your, your system to overheat. Yep, yep, exactly my thoughts. And, and, yeah. and I think you're possibly right about the, the, the whole size Yeah, having something to do with it because that's where it's going to collect, right there at the entry point. Right. Yeah, and you then honestly, that's where you hope it collects. You don't want it to collect on the inside right. where it can stick on things and and uh, and cause problems and, and overheating issues because because yeah. lint becomes a great insulator to hold the heat in as opposed to letting it you know move on through. Um, the thing that I also found interesting is those holes around the bottom, the circular like uh, foot that it sits on. Yeah, you know, you would assume that so, that that a device was just drilling those holes straight in, like you know, through the aluminum, but apparently they were, each of those holes is drilled at an angle so that the air, as it comes in, starts to spin immediately as it's being sucked in. So they're spinning it into a vortex as it comes into the machine because of the uh, way each of those holes is actually drilled through the aluminum. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah. Yeah, And I thought it was interesting. You know, apparently that was something with the Mac Pro design that when they, when they created those holes on the front, that not only did they look good, but they also... Uh, deflected the air in a certain pattern going into the machine that was um, uh, intentionally done. 
So, you know, that and that sounds very Apple-like, right? They're thinking about it like, well, what can we do to maximize this, you know? So Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's anyway. very interesting. Interesting stuff. Uh, Have you ordered yours yet? Uh, You're going to get your Mac Studio? <laughs> I'm not going to get one. If I got one, I would get the, I would get the small one. Yeah. You know, the other one's way more powerful. The only issue is, is do I really... I have to convince myself that I really need a computer, first of all. <laughs> right, yeah. Your, your lifestyle is such that it's, I think you'd be better off just waiting for the next uh, iPad Pro to see if they're going to do a bigger screen and, and, you know, be done with it. Well, I, I was thinking that uh, base, and uh, I, I have an article here we'll talk, talk about in a little bit, mm-hmm. but, but the fact that the, there's not much difference between a laptop and a desktop anymore. No. You know? And so if I were to get any more desktop, I might upgrade to a better display than what I have, which was just something I picked up at a, a junk sale. <laughs> right. You know, uh, I mean, it's 1024 by whatever, you know. Right. And, and and I'm not sure that it's that desk machines are so important to me because of my handicap getting around. I just yeah. as soon sit in my, in my comfortable chair and work with a laptop. Yeah. All, well, all, that said, all, you can't get a bigger screen if you work with a... Um, with a desktop. Yeah. Well, what I was thinking about is when, when you talk about a bigger screen, screen is just getting a a, a large screen, 4K, uh, and run a cable into that as a monitor. Right. You know? And that's exactly what I do right now. I have a 4K TV in front of me that I use as my monitor, and it works fine. You know, you I know. can I can already do it over the air through Apple TV. You know, just do a. Uh, a screen, uh, yeah. what do they call it? Um, yeah, uh, is it screen share, screen, that's not right. Uh, Screencast, that's not right either. But we know what you uh, mean. Yeah, anyway, Apple TV grabs it out of the air and sticks it on the TV, mm-hmm. so, it, so I don't even need a cable. But, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's worth doing. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that that, you know, it, by the time you do that TV and that TV sits across the room from you, you don't gain the benefit of a big screen. If you're going to get a, a larger screen, you want it at a desk where you can sit at it and and have a big screen in front of you. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I've got one that admittedly is probably just a little bit too big, but um, I don't run anything full screen. I mean, like I've got a browser screen open that's equivalent to about a 27-inch screen, but then instead of that being it, I have also a Skype window and a mech, and a and a iMessage window open next to it, and I can see all three of them just fine. And I and I can see you know a calendar and a clock that I have running behind that. So yeah, um, but but anyway, today we'll go through some some uh, things that people don't like about the display. Uh, yeah. I I, w- I was kind of impressed with the price right up front, but a lot of people apparently aren't. Oh really? I thought that that well, I think they're they're. Well, we can see what they have to say. I mean, in context of what you could get prior to that that was of equivalent quality, I think yeah. that was an outstanding price. Yeah. So, um, In fact, I was shocked. I figured it was $2,000. And I guess if you get the adjustable stand, that would be my one critique is that yeah. it's stupid that they don't just make the adjustable stand the stand. Yeah. And anyway, uh, so um, – uh, the next article we had here kind of has to do with displays, except it's really about TV and using your voice to make it happen. Yeah, uh, tell us about well, that. That that's really all about uh, not non-Apple 
stuff. You know, Amazon and yeah. uh, um, Google and and a lot of these other companies have talked the TV companies into them putting a module in into their set. Right. And since they also have voice control systems, uh, they put those in the TV with them. Yeah. So if you, so, there, there there are no Apple Siri controlled televisions out there on the market today. Uh, there's they first mentioned. Yeah, but Fire there's a lot TV. of people who would see that as a benefit because Siri in the voice in the voice assistant realm is is a is the. Uh, you know, poor stepdaughter of the others that they just don't seem to be um, uh, as well, as well, capable as well, they're, say they're, Alexa in, in a lot of areas. Well, they're self constrained too right. because of uh, privacy issues. Yeah, yeah, and that's so. fine. You know, I mean, it's it, it is what it is. Honestly, I think the the gap is much more narrow than a lot of people seem to make it. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, something that they also have, I don't know if people are aware of this, you know, they talk about Fire TV and it's as easy as pressing a button. You don't even have to press a button. Uh, if you have the Fire TV Cube, it plugs right into your TV like an Apple TV. It's a little square box that's maybe three inches by three inches square. And you just say the keyword out loud, hey, sh- hey, Schmatrexa, um, or, you know, Schmatrexa, or what, or you can, I think you can also ha- have it say, um, uh, uh, what is it? Amazon, or you can have it say uh, computer. There's a couple different things you can say. Um, but then, uh, you know, turn on television, go to channel 25, you know, go to play, play HBO or whatever, and it'll do it. You just say it out loud. You don't have to have a, you don't even have to touch the remote. Yeah. And some are other boxes like Roku's been out there with a box for some time and they yeah. actually do the, the voice through their remote. Right. So well, that's how get up and talk to it. You know, that's how most that if you're reading this article, that's what they're telling you to do with Fire TV, which is Amazon's product, too. Right. And the thing yeah. is, they have a voice remote, but you don't if you buy the right uh, Fire TV box because they have several. They have a stick yeah. that you can plug in at a box. If you buy the right it, box, you don't even have to have use the remote. It's just built in and you can just say it out loud. So right. you, don't have, you don't have to push a button. I actually have a Roku TV in my office here. And yeah. it shipped with a standard remote, but then I purchased the voice remote, which was an upgrade. Uh, uh-huh. And so I can use the voice to, to control that if I want to, which is nice. Yeah. You know? So I don't use uh, it very much, but it's handy when you do. Well, if you're searching thing, for something, I think it makes it easier. The thing that I've found about remotes is I have one remote that uh, listens to basically it's, it's a clicker. It's not a voice command even. And that's for my fan. And it turns on uh, all kinds of times when, you know, we didn't do anything to cause it to come on. You know, the neighbors or something in the house is creating uh, the right signal to make it come on. Now, I don't know how many percentage-wise of products there are out there with remotes that do that, but it's obvious that this one is really poorly designed. Yeah. You know? So that so that it has this problem. I yeah. mean, we've come we've come home after being gone for days, and the thing's on. We don't know how much electricity. Yeah. How long has it been on? Here, here's a thought. Unplug it, or you're talking about your ceiling fan. Ceiling fan, yeah. Now yeah. I do have a wall switch I could turn off, except that I've made it difficult to turn off because I didn't want people to shut it off. Yeah. Automatically shut it off. Yeah. Because I, I, that's why you have the remote, you know, so right. I don't have to get up and flip the switch. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you have so, like. Uh, but, get, but guests or, or grandkids over the last thing you want is is uh your you know your fans being shut off and then when you want to use it you have to get up and go find 
yeah. Well, anyway, the, the, the thing I learned from that, that is the next time I take a vacation or I'm gone for very long is turn the wall switch off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? So, Absolutely. Anyway. Yeah, you know, I mean, all, all of these devices these days and a lot of phones, or phones, a lot of televisions now have a voice remote. It's not, it, you know, it was kind of unique for a minute. Uh, and I think, I could be wrong, but I think the first one that did it in a large scale was Apple with the Apple TV, um, you know. But any of the any of the streaming boxes have that now, uh, you know, Fire TV with Amazon, Roku, and Google all have that built into their devices now as well. Um, and then a lot of TVs are doing it. I think uh, the remotes that come with uh, uh, some of the Vizio TVs and the LG and Samsung TVs have a remote assistant built into them. And so, you know, you either have a wake-up phrase or a wake-up button, and then you speak to the thing and say, you know, well, Sam, Samsung has uses Bixby. Never heard of it. That's Alexa. Their, yeah, Bixby oh. is their homegrown one, and oh. they they bought the uh, you know the guys who created Siri went and made their own company that was that was going to make its own uh, uh, voice recognition yeah. system. Samsung bought them out. Ah, okay. Well, anyway, they also use uh, Alexa and uh, and uh, Google. Yeah. Assistant. So anyway, you can set it up for any of th those three types of systems, but you've yeah. got to have the accounts and all of that in order to set it up. Sure. Well, Amazon and Google have, um, you know, they've both made a push to license their their smart assistant and putting it in other things. And Amazon, the, the, the um, you know, Schmatrexa, and I don't want to say the, the real name to set people's devices off, but it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's in all kinds of things you can find with that. And, and I, I mean, for some people, that's a, a positive. For me, I actively avoid anything that has a smart assistant in it that I don't want. I want to be able to have, you know, a device that I can unplug and, or, or deal with separately. I don't want it in my, you know, thermostat, for instance. Uh, you know, I <laughs> just don't want that. <laughs> Not my right. thing. Um, although well, Apple has theirs in a few things as well. Um, you know, you can get uh, the um, uh, which one is it? It's the one of the smart um, thermostats. Now you can get with um, uh, with Alexa or with uh, uh, Siri in it. But yeah, I stand by what I said. I don't want it in something that I can't easily just shut off. Yeah. So. Anyway, uh, this uh, this guy on this TV controller, I don't quite understand. The Kim Komado show was a lot of stuff on here. He has, uh, I don't, that must not be connected. I think the article's messed up here. Yeah, I don't know what you're looking at, but um, I think it's Kim Commando, and I think it's a female, and she does tech reviews. It's just, anyway. it's just spelled with a K. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's who this article is by, and they're just talking about the different remotes. You know, I don't know. To me, I look at this article, and I go, why did you write this? Anybody who buys one of these things has instructions, and there's a little microphone button on there. It doesn't take a lot of explanation as to how to use that. You push the button, and you say something. You know, I mean, it's like yeah. literally she's got like a, you know, five bullet points under each one of these that says press and hold the microphone button, speak your request, then release the button. Well, duh. Well, well, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> normally to me, if anybody says it's a voice control thing, my criticism of the article is he doesn't say uh, any of the commands for any of the 
systems to kind of entice you as to why you might want to have that. See, I'm, I'm of the old school. I don't know that I need it. So what's to sell it? Yeah. You know, just tell it to turn on and off. I mean, that's, I, I can buy a plug to do that if I want to. Well, you know. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Each of the each of the instructions underneath this is pretty article or pretty article is pretty um, uh, generic. You know, it's like okay, push the button to acknowledge, you know, to activate the voice listening thing, and then say what you want to say. And but you know, what would be more useful? Mode and channel. And, yeah, what would be more interesting would know. be a list of like what this one can do via voice versus uh, the other one, and so that you can say, well, you know, which voice assistant makes more sense for for uh, you know running my television. Yeah. Yeah. My, my thought being an engineer, I would, I would be, I'd start with the remote that exists today and has all the different features, try to categorize them and say, well, what's important that I would want to do it by voice that I wouldn't want to have to yeah. depend on the remote because all of this is here to replace a remote, right? I don't yeah. have to. If I well, it doesn't remote, replace a remote because literally you're using your remote in order to speak into it because they all work that way. Well, so I, I, so I if meant, you lose I your remote, you're still you're still out of luck. I, I meant lots of buttons. All I need to speak into is maybe push a button, or right? Say hey, you know, say hey something and get its right. attention. But for so, you know, each of these, it's push a button, just like it is on the Apple TV. And and you're right. But what what features can you access doing that? And then this is not you know nothing here has been explained that way. So, you know, I, for me personally, when I'm using voice control on any of the remotes, the thing that I found that it's useful for is search. If I'm trying to search for something, that's easier than me scrolling around or trying to type in with a remote what it is I'm searching for. It's just much easier to say, you know, find Tom Cruise movies, find, you know, whatever. And they'll, and they all work pretty good at that. And beyond yeah, that, find, I don't... Find March- March Madness. March Madness basketball. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and and they're all good at that. And beyond that, it's some. T- I think it's pretty much easier for me to. You know, to, it, it's easier for me to hit the pause button than to hit the voice button and say the word pause. You know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have I have some some distaste for the interface design that requires additional button clicks. You know. Like if yeah. I click on the search bar, I should not then, or if I click on the search command, like the, usually it's, it's the, you know, looks like a little magnifying glass in, in most apps. If I click on that, you should already put my cursor in the search bar flashing ready for me to type in. But too many times I click on search, it pops up with the place where I can now put in my search criteria and I have to tap on that area now so it knows where I'm typing. Well, you should know where I'm typing. I wanted to do a search. Put my, you know, put the cursor in the dumb thing so I can start typing. It's that kind of design things that irritate me beyond belief, you know. And it's yeah. like, come on, programmers, think about this for just a half a second. It's really not that hard, you know. When when I'm um, uh, I'm experimenting with a really interesting technology that measures the amount of carbon dioxide that you exhale. And there's been uh, multiple research studies showing that the amount of carbon dioxide you exhale in your breath varies based on how many carbohydrates your body is burning for energy versus fat for energy. And so um, for those that are trying to eat a um, uh, a relatively low-carb diet, uh, this device helps you know whether you're doing that. And they say it's more accurate and matches very, very directly with the multi-thousand dollar gold standard breath uh, measuring systems compared to using like little um, 
uh, keto strips and things like that. So you put this little thing over your face so it, no, it measures looks, your breath? It looks like a vape pen. And what you do is you inhale through it, and then you exhale through it again. You inhale, hold it for 10 seconds, and exhale. It's called Lumen. And it's really interesting technology, and I've been playing around with it. And um, and the and what's interesting was their idea is that you kind of get yourself into what, um, a... Um, uh, a flexible uh, metabolism, meaning that you should be able to burn carbs when you need to and not burn carbs when you don't. And they 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 offer eating suggestions along with your measurements throughout the day. And you're supposed to uh, you know do a measurement when you first wake up, a measurement before and after any meals, and before and after any exercise, and then another measurement before you go to bed. And it takes you maybe you know 30 seconds to do a measurement because they usually have you do two breaths. Um, and and uh, the concept is that you should be able to like burn more carbs earlier in the day when you're up and moving around and you need more energy and then eat less carbs at the end of the day because then you want your body to shift into fat burning while you're sleeping and uh and you know so that you have like a um uh they don't you don't go into ketosis per se but you're you know you just switch your body between fat burning and, and carb burning back and forth and that's a more healthy way to eat and so, anyway, I thought it was interesting, and so I'm playing around with that. But on their software, you say, okay, I want to measure. Then a screen pops up and says, do you want to measure? And you say, yes, I want to measure. And it says, okay, your device is, or, or turn on your device. You turn on your device, it attaches via Bluetooth. Your device is warming up. Okay, now it's warmed up. Ready to go? Yes, you have to tap again. Then you wait for a second. Then it says, okay, now breathe in. So you breathe in, you breathe out. It then comes back and sometimes it'll give you a full measurement most of the time it says take a second breath just to be sure and so then you go through that but it's like there was like three taps to get into the i want to measure now you know i told you i wanted to measure on the very first thing the very first thing should have said okay i don't you know uh you know make sure you've turned on your device your device is attached okay start breathing instead i had to tap two more times before i could get to that you know and you say well you're just tapping your screen what do you care i care that i'm wasting time you know, make it more efficient. It's just the design is is chunky. That said, the technology I think is way cool. Uh, the yeah. the the company and the device is Lumen. It was uh, designed and the company is is run by uh, two sisters in Israel who are uh, uh, PhD physiologists, and uh, they did some of the original research on the CO two measurement, and they helped develop this device and they now sell it. Uh, and they've got a full program around it. And if you go to, I think it's, uh, if you do a search for Lumen, L-U-M-E, Lumen, uh, I'm going to say Lumen Diet because I can't remember the the exact. Okay, um, where is it? Okay, hack your metabolism at Lumen.me, Lumen.me. But uh, it's real interesting. If you read a couple articles and stuff, it's, uh, they have, like I said, um, uh, there's sort of a gold standard. I don't remember the name of the device, but it's basically a medical device that you, you put a whole mask with tubes going back to a measuring machine and they put you on a treadmill and, and those machines cost about $4,000. And this system, um, I think it's like two ninety nine for a year. And that includes the device as well as, uh, uh, access to counselors and and uh, food plans generated on your um, off of your measurements, and it's it's interesting. Hmm. I just think it's yeah, really in, it interesting way to to 
to track your health and see where you're going. So Lumen.me. Lumen.me, yeah. So something something maybe worth looking at. But well, uh, since 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 I do, you know know some people now in that kind of business, I, I might just mention it to them and see if they're mm-hmm. see if they're uh, familiar with it and what they're doing with it. Because since they work at Loma Linda, <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, they would they would care. I think. Yeah. Well, I think it's 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 an interesting way to to make help you make some uh, food decisions, and for me talking about earlier we were talking about that competitive edge of things you know when you're breathing into this thing it it uh gives you basically a one to five score on whether you are you know burning fat versus burning carbs and so and and then it does that over the course of a week and after you've got two weeks worth of measurements then it gives you a flexibility score for the flexibility of your uh of your system to be able to switch back and forth between uh, burning carbs and burning fats because you log your yeah. food along with it, and that sort of gamifies it for me, which then means I, then then means I'm in because I'm going to win. You know. <laughs> well, you, you know what this reminds me of emission tests for cars. It's very similar, yeah. In you fact, uh, what it reminded me of is um, I've had one go bad on a car. Modern cars have at the front of the air intake a mass airflow filter. And it's a sensor that uh, that measures the volume of air that's being sucked into your car, right? Well, that's what this yeah. is. It's a it's an airflow uh, sensor that measures the amount of air, the volume of air that's coming in, and then it's also got a sensor that that measures the uh, CO two that you're ex- exhaling, you're expelling. So it knows mm-hmm. for X volume of air that you came in, X amount of CO two was in it, and uh, yeah. So you're right. It sounds a lot like car emissions tests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny that okay. yeah, we both went there. That's funny. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking, too. It's like, hey, this is like the mass airflow filter on the car. I, you know, this is what comes in. And then and then when they do the, the smog tests here in California, they stick a sensor in the tailpipe to see what's coming out. You know, it's like, okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we got another article here now on uh, Magic Keyboard. Magic. Now, you're talking about the Magic Keyboard for the iPad, iPad, not the Magic Keyboard that for the Mac, because they use that right. same name in multiple places. And I think that just means it has the iPad on it. I'm, I'm sorry, the touchpad on it. Yeah, well, uh, the, the, the Magic Keyboard is the one with the touchpad for the iPad. They also have a um, uh, another keyboard that doesn't have a touchpad, and that they goes by a different name, which I don't have in front of me. I don't know the name of that. I can't yeah. remember what it sold. I have a Magic Keyboard for the 11-inch iPad Pro and the 10.9-inch uh, iPad Air. And uh-huh. I absolutely love it. Yeah, it, it, it reminds you just of the keyboard for the computer. Yeah, it basically turns your iPad into a very usable laptop. Um, yeah. you know. And in fact, yesterday I was doing some work on my iPad, and the one thing that I actually went to go get my laptop, but I haven't used it in so long, I hadn't realized that the uh, MagSafe charger on it wasn't seated right, and the the thing was dead. And so I said, okay, well, I'll use the iPad. And that is because I don't really like doing spreadsheets on my iPad. But I forgot, hey, I've got a touchpad, and, and so I can point and click. And so I ended up doing a lot of spreadsheet work on my iPad yesterday, and it worked great. Yeah, and, and the other thing is it's got the uh, backlit keys, too, that's mm-hmm. like, a, like, like the other one. Yeah. So... Yeah, and the keyboard is um, 
you know, relatively uh, good feel to it, at least in today's modern keyboards. I mean, it's it's not like the, uh, you know, an IBM Selectric key, uh, typewriter, but a lot of people today, I think, would freak out on that because they're just used to typing on these little flat clickety keys. Um, yeah. But, uh, but you know, they, I mean, it's, it's, it's well-built, solid, and it gives you a second uh, USB-C port on your on your device so if if you're doing things like um transferring uh video in and you want to have it plugged in at the same time you can do that yep yep you know um i have uh you know photography is is a hobby of mine and so when i take photos uh i very often bring them in via my ipad so anyway he he said that the 11 inch model keyboard is a Four four forty nine four fifty basically yeah and uh, then another nine twenty nine for the iPad now that, that I, I, he's just trying to get a whole cost here as well as a pencil it all brings it up to fifteen seventy seven now yeah. I don't know what this thing would cost for a twelve inch which is not not what he evaluated yeah you know because because I won't buy a smaller iPad I mean I'm Right. Well, for the for the twelve inch, the the price of the iPad itself goes up a couple hundred bucks. I think it's two two hundred dollars up for that, and the uh, the I, the keyboard have, the keyboard see. costs an extra hundred dollars, and yeah. the, and the pencil is the same. But these are not the right numbers. These must be Canadian numbers, Australian numbers, because the pencil's a hundred dollars, not one hundred ninety nine dollars, and yeah. and the keyboard is three ninety nine, not four forty nine. Uh, I, my keyboard, when I got it, by the way, that's ridiculous. I think a lot of people would look at that and go, you want me to spend three ninety nine? That costs more than the basic iPad to buy a keyboard for the iPad Pro. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was three ninety nine, and I actually ended up, I think I mentioned this before, I bought my Magic Keyboard before I bought my iPad Air that I have because I found it on sale for one ninety nine instead of two ninety nine. Mm. And yeah. so uh, that was for the 11-inch. And so I got mine at $100 off, and I went, okay, then it's a deal. I'm getting it. So I bought the keyboard and didn't have a iPad to go on it for a, for a couple of weeks. And then the yeah. iPad came out. So, yeah, yeah those he, prices are all wrong. This has yeah. got to be Australia. Yeah, those are, that's Australian dollars. This is, article is from Australia, Gizmodo, yeah. Australia. So that explains it. Yep. Yeah. But, um, but he, yeah, he, it, go ahead. Uh, he he did say that he felt like he was working on a tiny keyboard, though. So you know, at eleven inch, that it kind is, of constrains yeah. it. It's narrower than even an iPad Air. So, yeah. but you know, you look at an iPad Air, it's a thousand bucks, right? So if you spend two ninety nine for the keyboards, so there's three hundred dollars, and you get the basic iPad Air with an M one in it. So it's the same processor as the Mac, uh, the uh, MacBook Air. That is, um, uh, what does that that go for? It's 529 I think right now right so you're at 829 so for 829 you can get a a laptop device with a keyboard and touchpad that is cheaper than the MacBook Air now it runs iPad OS which means that some of the stuff is going to work a little differently and it's multitasking is limited and the screen is small so you know there's some drawbacks but yeah. but if it works for you then it is an economical solution, and it is much more portable. And you have the advantage of pulling the iPad off of the case and just using the iPad, and then it is much, much lighter. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's why I'm an, I'm an iPad fan. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's basically my setup. I use the the Magic Keyboard on a 10.9 inch iPad Air. Now I have the previous version, so I have I don't have the M1 processor in mine. Um, but I hold to my prediction. I think that if not this next version, then a subsequent version of iOS is going to support a button down in the left-hand corner that is the Finder, and you'll be able to click on it, and your machine will be able to pop into macOS. You'll be able to run macOS if you want, as long as you have the device attached to a keyboard and a pointing device, which is what this keyboard is. Yeah. I think and, that's got to be coming. And, and because we're getting close to that, I'm, I think that, Fundamentally, I want to wait until it happens. <laughs> yeah, the problem is, is that if you do, if you wait till then, there's going to be a run on iPads because everybody's going to want to buy the latest and greatest iPad to do that with, right? So, right. so the thing is, is if they announce that, you want to get that ordered right away, <laughs> or maybe yep. order it right before the announcement, and you've got a two-week window, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I I I think the iPad is a uh, pretty phenomenal device, and for a lot of people, it's the right computing device as opposed to a laptop, you know, traditional computer. But there are certain activities, certain things that, that you know, an actual laptop computer or a, a desktop computer, in, in the case of what I'm actually working on right now, just work better, you know? I mean, one thing that, that iPads still don't have a good answer for because of the way they silo every app is what we're doing right now, you know? We're recording a podcast while we talk to each other. Okay, yep. on the iPad, only one app at a time can actually have control over the audio. So you can either have something recording or have an app that that communicates with somebody. But there's no way on an iPad to to have an app that uh, or that does that unless you write an app that does both. And thus far, none of the apps that do the the uh, well multitasking. Has, hasn't been around for the life of the iPad either. You know, I mean, it's, it's not been. Well, well, it has because processes run in the background. You can have it, you can set an app off to do something and then go do something else. But yeah. it's the siloing, it's the security model on the device that has made it difficult. And Apple has yet to make a, um, a uh, library that developers can use that says, okay, pipe my sound over to this other app somehow. You know, because the apps don't talk. There is no inter-app communication. I gotcha, yeah. You know, because they, they protect the memory and they protect the storage. And so, you know, each app is its own little individual island. So unless somebody's going to build a Skype-like or FaceTime-like app for, for podcasting that very specifically also records and keeps a separate track for each person, um, you know, this is it's a difficult thing to do. Yep, yep. Well, so. it it will have to be a, a a different kind of an iPod OS that does uh, computer tasks. Well, that's why I'm saying <laughs> I think if they if if my iPod OS gives me a Finder button that pops me into Mac OS, you know, um, and and they've already got a way for the two to sort of interact. So you know, and by putting it on an iPad, they're not they're not uh, going back on anything they said about we you know a Mac. Mac will never, there'll never be a touch Mac. Well, there doesn't have to be a touch Mac. We've got a touch device. Just let me run Mac OS on it when I need it. Yeah. You know? What What will they call it? They won't want to use the Mac word because the Mac means computer. To oh, them. well, they say Mac OS. Oh, yeah, Mac. Mac, Mac OS. Yeah, okay. You know? 
I mean, right now, when you run a Mac down in the left-hand corner, by default, there's a finder. It's the little blue and gray face, happy face, right? right? And right. right next to it is Launchpad, which looks just like the iPad, except that you can't touch it. You have to use your mouse. So why those? if they take those two icons, and when you're in on your iPad, in your bar at the bottom, when you're in iPad OS, you'll see the little Finder button. You tap the Finder button, and now you're running Mac OS. But, you know what? And, but instead of having, it, 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 when you click Launchpad, instead of going to Launchpad, you pop back into uh, iPad OS. Yeah. It's, you know they developed all the iPad OS on a Mac, right? Right. So the, the, the Mac world has already got the iPad on it. It's just not a product. Well, in your if you have an M1 uh, or an Apple Silicone-based Mac, you can run iPad apps. And you can run iPhone apps. But yeah. what I'm saying is that's not what I want. I want to be able to run Mac OS on my iPad on occasion. I, it's not something I would do very often. But yeah. every once in a while, there's something that just works better there. You know? Yeah. And so why am I constrained? I have to set this device down and go to a different device to get something done and then go back to that device. You know, it's like, why? you know, I should be able to, it, it, there's nothing stopping it. It's got the memory, it's got the storage, it's got the CPU, it's got the keyboard, it's got the pointing device. But but they can't sell you that Mac now. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I think they're going to get there. I think that's clearly the direction they're going, and they're going to get there. Yeah. So, the other thing, though, I think they probably need to do, and this is something I don't know if they'll ever do because they're sort of convinced that, of the way they've done it, is... They either need an additional camera, front-facing camera on the iPad that's on the side so that it's on the center when you're using it in landscape mode or just yeah. move the camera there. I think yeah. more. Uh, I think a lot of people use their iPad in landscape mode. I know even when I am holding my iPad in my hands, I don't hold it in portrait mode very often. I hold yeah. it in landscape mode more. Yep, I agree. And, and, so, it can, and it can easily just leave leave it. You just have two of them, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just just stick a second camera on there is probably the easiest way to do it. Um, but you know, you know, do it. Give me two cameras on the Pro. You know, that can be a differentiator between the Pro and the Air, right? Right. So, <laughs> but anyhow, so, I think the Magic Keyboard's a good thing. It's overpriced. Go get one. <laughs> there's the there's the summary of my my uh, feelings about the iPad Magic Keyboard. Yeah. So next up, uh, hackers use Apple tools to infiltrate iPhones with malware. Now that is a very um, catchy headline, but when you start reading into it, it's not quite that straightforward. Because yeah. what they're doing is Apple provides some tools for uh, for companies to send out apps to people who work in their company without them having to go and downloading it from the App Store. And they also have tools for people who are developing to put things in test flight so that people can download apps, uh, developers' apps, without going to the App Store. But in right. order to do either of those things, you as a user have to go through some hoops in order to make that happen. But apparently... There's some companies out there that are, have set up websites and apps that trick you into doing that so that they, you now you have software that has not gone through the App Store, not been tested by Apple, and is therefore untrustworthy. 
Yeah. Does that pretty much summarize it? Are you there? Yeah, I think so. It, the basic point is is that uh, because Apple is getting uh, uh, more of the uh, overall business. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of with all their products. Yeah, well, that uh, it's getting more attention. You know, it used to be back when Microsoft was the only business software out there, and 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 all that all of the security problems came there. Well, the the crooks that are out there just love to hack things. I mean, this sure. is just a game, right? Yeah. And so they they just love to try things. And and even if they just start with these business things, uh, or more business related things, uh, ultimately they figure they'll somehow how find another window somewhere. Security is a is a tricky business, and a lot of times, even when you're intending to to uh, keep people out. Uh, in order just to have some important functions, there are still little holes mm-hmm. in different places. They, it's 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 a complex piece of software. That's what it's all about: is complexity, yeah. and how how to weave your way through that complexity. Uh, and, uh, and sometimes, you know, it's it's generally uh, uh, when you plan to do software, you you don't. You, you, the mind just can't wrap itself around all of the possible combinations of things that can happen. Right. And well, as so a developer, you, you try to, to have contingencies for how your software could be used and misused, but you can't hit all of them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a cat and mouse game is what we're saying, basically. And uh, Well, for the bottom line on this, I would say the average user has nothing to worry about. You go to the App Store, you download your apps, they've been you know, scanned by Apple, and for the most part, they're going to be safe to use. It's if you are in a situation where you are beta testing software or you're in a corporate situation where you're loading software outside of the App Store, and, and it's not easy to set up to do that because Apple actively tries to discourage it, but then be careful because you want to make sure that you're actually downloading it from a trusted location and a trusted developer. And that you don't answer somebody's question the wrong way. I mean... The, the, the ultimate trick is to get you to push a button that you really shouldn't be pushing. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, that kind of thing. It's basically like a phishing scheme. I mean, there's lots of places where you'll get an email and it says, you know, there's an issue with your account. Please click here to log in and, and, and rectify the problem immediately. And people a lot of times will click on that and then, you know, they'll realize they, they may not even realize that the site that they're being taken to is not their bank. It's one that looks like their bank that somebody made to look like their bank. And so now you've just given somebody your login and password because if you log in and, and there, voila, they have your login and password. They can immediately log into your account, steal all your money, and 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 you know be in the wind before you knew what happened. What happened? So yeah. you know, it, uh, I what I always find funny is like I will get things from banks that I don't even have accounts at. You know, hey, there's a problem with your account. Log in immediately. And it's like, you know, they're just throwing that out there because somebody is going to have an account at that bank. Somebody that gets that email and they might click on that link. Um, I tend to not pay attention to any unsolicited emails. Uh, and if it says it's from my bank, I look at the email, <laughs> look at the email. Ad- well, I look at the email address very closely. Uh, if it's from my banks, first thing I do, if I see something from my bank is I verify that it's actually from my bank and not because they can put whatever name they want on there. You actually have to click on the name that sent it and see where it came from. And very often it's from some other location. I shouldn't say very yep. often. On occasion, it's from other locations. And I have actually, you know, sent that into my bank and said, here, I'm getting emails from this address. 
that aren't from you. And and they thank me and track it down. You know, they go get it shut down. They shut down those websites and try to fight that as much as they can. Um, you know, but I'm, you know, a pretty savvy tech user. Not everybody is. And even at that, you know, in a moment when I'm just, you know, busy and I'm not thinking, I'll see it. I could I could easily, easily make the same mistake and get caught, you know. Yep. So yep. it's, you know, I'm, I'm not bragging here. I've, I just have gotten lucky. But, I mean, I'm sure at some point it's going to happen because it'll happen to anybody. You know, it's not yeah. that it, it's 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 insidious. They're taking advantage of human nature. Yeah, I um, the, I'm going to kind of move on to the next okay. uh, article here, uh, which has to do with uh, leveling of the playing field between laptops and desktops and talk about something that I didn't download for you to see. Uh, I saw a, I read an article the other day that somebody is going on and buying old laptop computers, basically with damaged screens. Okay. But the computer's just fine. Yeah. And he's made a business now of taking, buying those old computers, maybe for a hundred dollars or something. And the computer's just fine. It's Mm -hmm. just somebody dropped it and the screen is crashed and so he he can take the screen off of the computer and he uses them with displays because he's got you know everything else works including the plug into a display on the back and so he's got a uh, you know it's being old computers are probably not high performance or certainly not m1s yet right i don't think uh but he's got a usable computer and uh and he can sell them for a fairly reasonable price to people that want to just get on the web or, you know, that kind of stuff or, uh, uh, or do serious, uh, Apple use, but not spend very much money at all. I mean, because it's apparently not that difficult to take the display off and, and be sure, check it out and be sure everything else is working and set this thing up with, a. Uh, inexpensive display, probably TVs, you know, like we talked about. Yeah, well, you can buy lots of inexpensive monitors these days, too. Yeah, but anyway, I, I can believe that there's a been a lot of these things out there available if you just know where to advertise and, and find them, mm-hmm. uh, and he's made a pretty fair business out of it. Well, this article really kind of talks about it, except that they're saying that you don't even need to go get the display, uh because if you buy a laptop now, it's basically equivalent to the desktop, except for the fact that desktops usually have bigger screens. So, so we're, we might, if you believe this whole business that uh, you can, you can just buy the, a laptop with as much computing power as you want. Why do you really want a desktop? Unless that's where you spend most of your time. Yeah, you know? just depends on how you work. I know several um, developers who are using MacBook pros with the m1 max chip in it uh and have that in a stand next to a monitor and they drive a monitor and that way then when if they want to go they unplug it and take the the laptop with them and they've got their entire desktop machine with them but but when they're working they want the bigger screen yeah yeah you know and you say well why wouldn't you buy that instead of say a mac mini or a mac uh studio well, because you're paying about an 800 to $1,200 premium for a portable package. So you've got to say, do I need to pick it up and go? Or can I just leave it sitting on my desk? Is that fine? You know? Yeah. In my world, I leave it sitting on my desk because when I pick up and go, I don't take a Mac at all. I take my iPad. 
Right. But yeah. that doesn't work for everybody. If I was doing, if I was actively developing code and needed to be able to like go on a trip yep. and still work, be- I would have to have a laptop of some sort, right? And I've got a 2015 uh, Mac uh, MacBook Pro. Um, but, you know, that's a pretty slow yeah. computer by today's standards. Right. Right. You know, but who cares if, you know, if all you're doing is spreadsheets, which is the one thing that up until yesterday was pretty much what I used it for. <laughs> well, you know, the other thing is we're kind of getting to a place in time with the technology that uh, is, is clearly uh, easy to spend more than you need to if you're, unless you really need the horsepower. There's uh-huh. so much you can do with the simplest M1 chip. That yeah. The question is, why do you even go to the M1 Pro or the M1 Max? You know, yeah. those. I mean, those are simple decisions. And now we've got another level to that, yeah. the Ultra. I mean, clearly that's out of the ballpark for most people. Oh yeah, you know, I think that um, that the the vast majority of users out there are going to want the Air or the low end MacBook Pro in terms of processing power. That's going to be more than they're ever going to need. In fact, quite yeah. frankly, I think for most people, the right answer is neither of those. Get an iPad. And if you need a keyboard, get one of the two cases or a Bluetooth keyboard or Logitech keyboard case because that's, that's also out there uh, for the iPad. And then you've got a keyboard for that, too, if you're going to do you know more than just a little bit of typing. Because you know typing a text response or a quick email on a screen is fine. But if you're really going to do a lot of typing, a real keyboard is, you know, if you're going to write long emails or if you're, you know, a novelist or something, you don't want to type on, on a glass screen. I, I really think, though, if you want to have a long-lasting product, that you want to buy even your iPads with an M1 chip. Pretty soon, that's going to be the dominant uh, Oh, well, yeah, but that's, you know? you know, all but the base iPad now has an M1 chip in it. So Yeah. So, well, I guess I, that's not true. The iPad mini has the, what? A14 chip or whatever it is. A15? I think it's an A15. Yeah, that 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 one product yeah. is yeah. not the only one left. Out well, there. the the base <laughs> iPad for 324 has an A13 chip in it, which is the same one that's in the iPhone 11. And then the iPad mini was introduced about 4 months ago, and it the new iPad mini and it has the A15 in it, which is what everybody expected to be in the iPad Air. They thought the Mini and the Air would have parity. Um, But maybe they're going to ping-pong back and forth. So the next Mini will get the M1, and then the Air will get the M2. And, you know, every six months one of them gets upgraded or something. But uh, But we're going to get to the Apple Silicon as soon as Apple can manage to do it, really. Right. Well, I I don't think that the, the base iPad necessarily needs an m1 I, I agree with you but i'm just saying from apple's standpoint uh they don't want to keep selling things that aren't don't have their architecture in it oh right yeah well all of the ipads have always had apple's architecture in it you know whether it be the m1 or the a series it's just a matter of which yeah. chip they put in okay. there okay right so it's just the max and right now there's only two Macs that are being sold on apple's uh, website that don't that still have intel in them one is the high-end Mac Mini, and the other is the Mac Pro that starts at $5,000. And yeah. the high-end Mac Mini, I've got to believe in my heart of hearts, you know, there's a gap, right? They have an M1 Mac Mini, and then right. the studio starts with the Max and then the Ultra. The Mac Pro chip is probably going to replace that Intel Mac Mini. 
but they i think that either production wise you know because of 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 worldwide you know uh slowdowns and stuff that they just didn't have that one ready to go when they announced the the other one and that's such a small thing that they'll probably just drop the intel and um and and replace it with a with the pro chip uh whether it be the m1 or maybe even when it, when it'll they'll wait till the m2 series yeah uh, but that'll happen probably just with like a you know a uh press release as opposed to us you know and and, and they're they don't want to get in too much of a hurry because people who recently purchased that pro uh model right uh, you know get upset if if it's replaced you know within a year or two yeah well and what they've also learned is that the number one buyer of of uh mac minis is uh is uh, server farms, yeah, and so right. there might be some server places that have a need for the Intel processor still, and so they might keep that on there longer than you think, just because those people need it and they're serving a market there. You know, uh, right. in fact, they might even do something where the uh, they replace it for the general population, but it's still sort of available as an off the book thing, the Intel version for those who need it. You know, so it'll be yeah. if if you're a you know, if you if you're a business that has has a you know business account with Apple, you can still buy the Intel one, but it's not going to be on the site, and you and I couldn't go buy it. But they might right. make it keep it available for those who absolutely need that for some reason because of you know compatibility with uh, you know other things. Right. So, right. So uh, you know, if there's a significant number of sales that way, they're not going to walk away from those. But <laughs> but I can see them, you know gingerly nudging everybody towards the apple silicon plus you you know you pick up a lot of processing power when you do that so yeah right i did read one so. thing though that somebody said was really frustrating that you know the the mac mini when when you put things in racks which is what these server places do the mac mini is equal to one u which is the the one unit and that's a shelf size that that, that fits in a server and everybody thought that the the uh, studio would then be two U, so that it would just fit in a double size shelf. But it's not. It's slightly bigger than a two U, but not as big as a three U. So, uh. so they'll have to put it in three U shelves and have a gap, which which the server people are like, really, really, uh. <laughs> come on. Yeah. So, well, it's just a little too tall. And they, I'm sure Apple probably thought of that, but they, yeah. they had to make it so that the cooling system was right, too. So it yeah. wasn't a yeah. high-priority constraint. Yeah. Well, and you know what? When the, what their, their solution for that might be, it might be when they come out with the uh, Apple Silicon-based uh, Mac Pro. You know, the current Mac Pro has a rack mount version of the case. And so maybe when they come out with the the, uh, the the Apple Silicon Mac Pro, they'll have a desktop and a or floor standing, whatever you want to call it, and a rack mount version. And so their answer might be, well, if you run around and mount it in a rack, don't use the studio Mac, use the Mac Pro. Yeah. I could see them doing that. Or use two Mac minis. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, that's assuming they don't uh, change the Mac Mini case, which there's been rumors that that might be changing too. So we'll see. Uh, now that I'm looking at what we've got in the time left, why don't we skip the next two? Okay. Uh, I I thought this was interesting only because uh, 
your mom still gets onto my Facebook account occasionally right. and says they're, they're locking out people who don't activate a Facebook protect. Now, you know, I'm not going to activate it because I won't even be on there and see the message. You know, yeah. they me send. either. I haven't logged into Facebook in years. I, I went on and, and I didn't de- delete my account because I couldn't figure out how, cause they make that actively very difficult, but I yeah. was able to like shut it down, make it inactive but apparently yeah. they reactivated it a while ago because I know Tobin, who's on Facebook a lot, said, hey, you're back on Facebook. And I went, nope, haven't touched it. So <laughs> so who knows? It may, maybe it's been hacked. I don't know. I, I, I wish well, it would go away. Any, anyway, it was my sort of attitude toward it. In fact, some people that weren't intending to be logged out didn't even see the message. Yeah. That's, and then they can't they – can't, they're logged blocked you know yeah i guess you could probably uh reach out to their customer support and prove that you are who you are and then they'll let you back in somehow i don't even know what facebook protect is so i I, but again that's because i don't use facebook i think they are evil and so i will not participate in anything facebook does or meta yeah meta yeah they're hiding under a new name but they're you know new name same same anyway one, one one message in it i thought was interesting and the guy says I got locked out from my Facebook indefinitely today because I didn't respond to emails from Facebook. That looked like a scam to me. Anyway, about the new about the new Facebook protect system, which I was required to enable by today. So far, yeah. the text and security key options don't work. Many report. So anyway, it's going to be a hassle over there. Mm-hmm. I just told mom, your mom, uh, that. Uh, this happens, so if she tries to log in and can't get in, she'll know that it's it's all over. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yay, we're done with Facebook. Facebook is <laughs> kaput. Yeah. Seems like it's kind of a stupid thing to do if they if they really think that whatever this is, they ought to just give you that up in an update to the app, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. It just, I, you know, I mean... Yay, they're trying to do something that at least on the surface of it looks like they're trying to make their system more secure and safe. Um, but I am such a not fan. I'm actively not a fan. I actively discourage people from using Facebook. I get it. It's a way to connect with people. And if you're looking for friends that you haven't seen in years, it's probably one of the best ways to do it. But I just, I don't care. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, they have done so many things wrong. Yeah, that, uh, yeah. Yeah. Just take advantage of Yeah. About the second time I found, uh, I, I read about them, you know, their app doing something inappropriate on, and I say inappropriate, I mean it was, but like things like turning on microphones in the background to listen to you and cameras on in the background to see what you're doing when, when you're not even running the stupid Facebook app, that uh, that was enough for me. I just said, okay, this company is dead to me. Yeah, they so. just have this attitude that I can do whatever I damn well yeah. please, Yeah, you know? Yeah, well, and when they get called on it, they go, "Oops, sorry, that wasn't intentional. That was just a, you know, it was a, a, a glitch in the software. We'll fix it." And then they turn around, they they fix it, and then they turn around and do it again, you know. And then they, oh yeah, that that we didn't mean to do that. Sorry about that. We'll fix it, you know. And after they do that a couple times, you go like, "You're lying. You did that on purpose. You're intentionally listening. You're intentionally looking with the camera. You're you're very intentional in in your fake re- apologies, you know." Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So next anyway, thing up, Apple should be in home Wi-Fi routers again as part of the Mac reboot. I've been I, saying I, they should be in home Wi-Fi routers again as part of their security efforts, but, you know. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's why I put it in here because I knew you wanted to uh, 
uh, find it, you know, you'd agree with it. You yeah, know? absolutely. They should be in-home Wi-Fi so uh, there, routers. I don't, I don't think there was anything else exciting in that one. The, the next one has to do with EV routing uh, for, for some deal with Ford. And basically, it's uh, they're, they're, the mapping system will uh, know know where there's different chargers and stuff, so yeah. they can route you so that you don't get too far away if you don't have enough fuel. You know? Yeah, yeah. They've had the um, the uh, charging stations in the system for quite a while, but by tying it into your device a little bit more carefully through CarPlay, they can now say. By the way, you have X amount of charge. You need to go to one of these, and here they are. You know, so they're getting some feedback from the from the vehicle saying, "Hey, um, we're running low on juice." Well, you see, uh, Tesla did all of that for themselves with their own charging stations. Right. But uh, there's a lot of other companies coming online now, so they rather than mm-hmm. they have to deal with that, Apple's helping them out. Is what it amounts to. Yeah. And it's, at least this one only addresses the Ford products. And, and I thought that was interesting because I always thought that if indeed uh, uh, I decide at some point that I do need a new car for whatever reason, I'm attra- very much attracted by the F-150 uh, electric pickup. Yeah, the Lightning. Because I know it's no access problems for me. I've got plenty of headroom. And that was my issue with the last cars. I couldn't right. find very many cars that I didn't have to bang my head to get in and out of the dang car. Yeah. And, they, and cars always sit down low, just about, unless you get an SUV, which right. is what I have. I have an issue with uh, that, too. I have limited um, uh, mobility in my neck because of an injury. And so it's hard for me to bend my head down or to turn you know, right yeah. and left very far. So um, I have an older car that I actually had a backup camera installed in, and I knew that's in newer cars, but... For me, it was just a necessity because I can't turn around to see where I'm going behind me very well anymore. And uh, but but the headroom thing is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, it turns out that the pickup came in their uh, 150 EV rather uh, came in as one of the top uh, sellers and uh, good mileage, you know, yeah. for, the, for the batteries. Are they already so, selling that one, or is it is it just in limited production right now? I think it's in limited production, but it's going to be, uh, I think, a big deal. Yeah. Uh, and they're going to give uh, Tesla a run for their money. There's not yeah. many Tesla cars out there that really appeal to me as, you know, cars, mm-hmm. because I I keep thinking about, I mean, it's, unless you spend a fortune, and, and they're all way overpriced. Well, the SUVs, they're actually, they're they're competitive, and their SUVs have very high roof lines in them. So before you poo-poo it, yeah. you might want to go sit in one. Um, uh, the golf wing doors, right? Well, they've got two SUVs. That's the larger one. The smaller SUV is based on the Model 3, uh, and that's their Model Y. And it is yeah. got regular doors, and it's a smaller SUV, but it still has a higher roof line. And so that might work for you and something worth looking at. But I'm with you. I think mm-hmm. the, the Lightning is an interesting vehicle for me, too. That Although Ford F-150s are incredibly, ridiculously priced as well. I mean, even the yeah. gas ones are just nuts, you know. I mean, you get a stripped truck for almost, you know, for a reasonable amount of money if you want plastic seats and crank windows. and But if you want, you know, any amount of luxury, that thing can quickly get up to the price of, you know, small houses uh, in some parts of the country. So, uh, yeah. you know. By, by the way, there is a technology that everybody, uh, not everybody, but lots of investors are now expecting to be employed 
in new vehicles by 2025. That's kind of the mark where they're saying that the battery technology is going to totally change with no liquids in them, totally solid state, much greater mileage, much faster charging. I mean, it's, it's a revolutionary thing that's a couple companies uh, are developing, mm -hmm. you know. And so, so the timeline is out of 2025 because right now they're, they're trying to generate lots of interest in investing in, in those companies only if you know those companies. And uh, I spent a small amount of money, not significant, just to get that name, and uh, I don't have it yet. But it should be in the mail any, any time now. So, yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's, uh, it's really sounds quite promising. And uh, so uh, if, if, uh, if I were to be in that market, 2025 would be about getting close to the time, you know. When yeah. the car gets, my car would be eight years old then. Yeah. Well, I can tell you I've seen a fair amount of these Mustang Mach-E's driving around Southern California. If I've seen the Lightning, I didn't know because it looks just like the other F-150s. And so that one's harder to spot. Yeah. But the Mustang Mach-E is a unique, you know, fairly easy-to-spot vehicle. And then there's Teslas all over the place. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah we got... I literally can't get in my car and drive a mile without seeing a Tesla, probably. Uh, yeah, we have quite a few here as well, even yeah. though the closest dealer is almost down to South Carolina somewhere. Yeah. But it's, it is in North Carolina. So. Well, there is no dealer. Tesla well, doesn't have dealers, but yeah. I, I, well, I don't, I, showroom, I guess, yeah. whatever you call it. Yeah. You know, they've got them here in malls. You can just go in and sit in one in a mall. Yeah. I don't know if they actually, you can sign up and do like test drives or anything from the mall. Probably. They probably have some parked out around the mall somewhere. But uh, that you could like get in and go, you know. But anyway, I do believe all of this is driven by battery technology. I know? agree. And, and well, and, you know, what we don't know is in the long run, I mean, Tesla's been selling for a few years. But, you know, like, what is the longevity of that battery pack, you know, and, and what's the cost to replace that, right? You know, I've got a 20-year-old-plus pickup truck that, you know, I, a while back, had an engine rebuilt and a transmission rebuilt, and I know what that costs, but it's 20-plus years old. Am I going to have an electric car that's 20-plus years old, and can I buy new batteries for it? And what does that cost to replace the batteries in that vehicle? You yeah, know? yep. There's just we don't know <laughs> in a lot of instances because they haven't yeah. been around that long yet. Yep. So anyway, 2025 is sort of close, but that's the watchword, huh? Yeah. Okay, three years so. we're saying. Three years we might might have some significant differences. Yep. So um, uh, Apple's new display, the Studio Display, they're finding some interesting things. This is a 27-inch display. It uh, doesn't have the high refresh rate that the that their Pro Display has, um, but it has an A13 chip, which is the same chip that we were talking about earlier. That's in the iPhone 11, and it's in the iPhone, uh, the iPad, the 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 basic iPad has the A13 chip in it. That's actually a faster, more powerful chip that's that than is in an Apple TV, uh, and it has 64 gigabytes of memory in your monitor. Imagine that. Yeah, <laughs> but that's because I think the base chip comes with 64 gig built into it, and so they just said, "Well, we're not going to make a special chip. The whole point of using that chip is just because we've got it and it's cheap." And so they're just using the lowest end A13 they have. But uh, 
apparently it runs a full bootable version of iOS in there too, and that's what they use to manage the camera and the speakers and the microphones and uh, and the I/O between the monitor and the computer. So this is probably the smartest monitor in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure it sounds great. The sound system sounds good. Yeah, yeah. They said that they've got the 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 best sound system they've ever put in a monitor in it. So, uh, and Apple's been doing a lot of work with trying to get good sound out of tiny speakers. You know, uh, yeah. with, with iPads and phones and and uh, uh, and then you know as they moved into uh, headphones and, and home speakers and so you know they've got the 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 smarts to make that work. It'd be interesting to actually hear. Um, you know, maybe next time I'm in an Apple store, I'll see if i can listen to him but did, did, uh, did you see that little module in the teardown of the uh studio what little module are you referring to they sound the speaker oh the module. little speaker module yeah it had like a little uh sound pipe attached to it so that it could get uh yeah. you know richer sound than just the speaker sitting you know if you break into most computers and see the speaker it's a tiny little paper cheap speaker that somebody picked up for 50 cents somewhere clearly this is well beyond that <laughs> yeah it's got a, it's got its own enclosure so that it can control the uh the resonance and all that. Yep, yep. It's, it's uh, you know, Macs actually have always, even from the early ones, uh, they, you know, typical PCs would, if if anything, make a beep, and that was about it. Um, the Macs had a speaker in there and had a little chime sound, you know, a multi-chord sound when they started up. So they've always, mm -hmm. always had a little bit more affinity towards the, the sound quality, um, you know. So not yeah. hugely surprising. Uh, apparently, the currently current display has a webcam issue, according to the title of one of these articles. Yeah, it says it will be fixed via software update. So there's a patch coming. Yeah, interesting. I don't know what the issue is, but uh, yeah, probably not yeah. hugely surprised. I know that we were talking about it in the uh, before the show too. There's been some people complaining that they thought that the price was was too high, but if you look at 5K 27 inch monitors that were available before it. You had the choices of one, and it was the LG display, whose whose list price was exactly the same. Um, it is now currently twelve ninety nine, so it's three hundred dollars cheaper than the, than that display. But yeah. uh, it has much weaker speakers. It does not have a uh, uh, it doesn't have any uh, microphones in it, whereas the studio display has a three microphone array and no uh, no camera, and so oh, and less less uh, USB C ports. So you go, well, okay, for 300 bucks, you're getting a lot more. Yeah. You know, yeah. all in a, in a uh, you know, aluminum enclosure instead of a plastic enclosure that looks like it belongs with your Mac. And, and a lot of people thought that old, old display was going to go away because, you know, Apple stopped selling it. But in fact, uh, the company, what's it? Uh, LG. Uh, LG says, no, it's uh, just, just a short supply of parts. Yeah. It's still on the market, so. If people want to get it for three hundred dollars less, they can still do it. Yeah, as well as well as there's a six hundred dollar smaller version. Yeah, if you want a tinier one, um, that's well, but that's a four K. The four K yeah. uh, ultra fine displays have been around for quite a while, and those are seven hundred dollars, six ninety nine. Uh, yeah. But they're also what a little less than twenty four inches, so they're smaller, smaller display, same um, uh, size dots, I think, but the display itself is smaller just because there's it's four K instead of five K. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, the, 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 the panels are fine. It's just that you know, some of the knocks have been that the fit and finish of those and the, the, and the, has not been great. 
that the LG displays, if anything makes them wiggle at all, they you know the plastic kind of creaks and squeaks. And so, you know, I mean, it's it's <laughs> you know, if if you want to save a buck, that's fine. If not, uh, the actual visual display or the 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 panel that you're looking at on the ultrafine 5K is uh, expected or or or, uh, uh, or is believed to be the exact same one that Apple's using that they're buying their panels from LG. So, you know, the actual, what you're looking at probably is not any different. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's, you know, do you need the, do you need the camera? Do you need the microphones? Do you, you know, want the better quality sound? Do you have a need for additional USB-C ports? Um, if you do. Apple just, Apple just wanted to make something available for the customers that had all these nice features. That's well, yeah, well, yeah. And people have been complaining for a while, you know, and if they drop, since they dropped their, their 27 inch iMac, you know, yeah. I think they said, well, we need to be able to have a viable response to that. And, and yeah, they're not trying to get into the display business. I don't, you know. Oh, well, they're certainly not going to go thing. into the cheap end of that. You know, they're going to say, if, if you want a deluxe experience, then we've got the monitor for you. If you want to, you know, go, yeah. if you want to save a buck, go buy a monitor somewhere else. There's lots of monitors on the market. And yeah. LG still gets their chunk of change out of, out of their exactly. Apple monitor. So. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, I th- I think it's I it's great that Apple is making this monitor. I think as a package, it's really a nice package. I had expected, quite honestly, uh, that if they were going to sell a monitor, it was probably going to be a two thousand dollar option. Which, if you buy the the um, stand that if you buy their the Apple monitor with the stand that allows you to raise and lower the screen, it is a two thousand dollar option. Yeah, but you but you can buy couple books for a lot less than that exactly you know hey i got <laughs> of course you got this pretty desktop and then you're going to stack your thing on top you know somebody said pointed out that the the basic stand that comes with it at at 1599 yeah, fits, fits right on top, on of, top the, of the, the studio the studio so if you need to raise it just set it on top of your computer stack it on there um yeah you know it's a it's a studio display why not use it as a as a studio uh yeah foot <laughs> Foot, yeah, foot. <laughs> foot for your monitor, yeah. And, we, yeah. and you could even screw it together if you wanted to, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, you could weld it to the top. Uh, then it's then it's part of a heat sink, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, um, in my office, have my monitor. Like I said earlier, I've got a, a 4K TV that I'm using as a monitor. But it's actually mounted on a Visa mount to the wall. And so uh, if I were to get that 27-inch, my monitor size would shrink significantly. But I would probably buy it with the Visa mount and continue to hook it that way. By the way, there are Visa mount desktop stands that you can buy. So if you buy the Visa mount and you want a stand that's more adjustable, you can just buy the Visa mount version of the monitor and then put it on whatever stand you want and save the 400 bucks because um, the Visa mount you can find Visa mount stands for you know good solid ones for significantly less. Um, so you know there's there's options and Apple is recognizing that. You know, yep. because some people have said that they always felt like the 27 inch iMac stand made the screen sit too low for them. If you're fairly tall, that was a problem. And so, you know, and apparently this even sits lower. The basic stand with the 27 inch studio display sits lower than the old 27 inch iMac. So, you know, if you thought that was low, then you're definitely going to either want to spend the extra $400 for the adjustable stand or get the visa mount and, you know, go shop a little bit, uh, a visa based stand or a mount that'll found, you know, fit on the wall, uh, yeah. behind your desk. But there's lots of ways to solve that problem. 
So, yeah. Now they're saying so, here that uh, the latest Mac OS update is bricking some people's Macs. That's no bueno. Yeah, that that that'd be upsetting. In fact, I've always really worried about that. Remember, back in the day, we used to regularly just uh, back everything up before you'd ever dare put a update on. Oh it. yeah, yeah. You just never updated anything until you had a full backup so you could put everything back where it was. Well, you know, starting with the iPad, that's where it stopped for me. Yeah. I I just never I've never backed up an iPad. I mean, I do have the the backup on the in the cloud that's automatically there, uh, but I've never had to use it or worry uh-huh. about it. You know. Yeah. So it it just seems the bricking thing has more to do with the computer system than it does with the iPad for some reason. Yeah. And I don't by know. the way, did you notice that the bricked ones, the worst ones, were the the latest uh, M1 uh, Max, yeah, uh, four, fourteen and sixteen inch MacBooks. Interesting. Yeah. So. Well, there are some different things about the way the Apple Silicon boots up, and I, you know, the whole community has not had enough time to really figure out the ins and outs of that and what to expect. You know. Um, in my family, I usually update day of release for most updates and then wait a couple days mm-hmm. to make sure I don't have any problems before I then make a recommendation to yeah. my wife and daughters as to whether they should upgrade. Um, so I, I, I'm I usually did that the for a while. Yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, I, I'm, I've not been so careful anymore. But someday yeah. it's probably going to catch me and then I'll say, oh, crap. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, is you and I both know better, right? It's like, we knew better. Yeah. We, we, you know, it's like, eh. but you know, if you if you don't upgrade day of, usually they if they really are having problems in any significant way, they'll pull the update and say, wait a minute, you know, you yeah. can't download it until we fix something. Um, but uh, yeah, I you know I I honestly I'm sitting here looking at my Mac and when I saw that I thought, oh, you know what? If I'm am I even on that? I went and looked and I'm not on uh, 12.3 yet, so I have not updated. Um, but I'm not on an M1 Mac. I'm on an Intel-based Mac. I've got a 2018 Mini. So um, yeah, I, I've got that update waiting on my Mac right now. I just didn't didn't put it up. Yeah, or didn't install it. And the reason is is that I still haven't got my taxes ready, and that's a priority. And I didn't want to take a chance if that. Yeah, I've got one computer. If that goes crushed. You know, I don't know how exactly. Do yeah, you don't want to you want to destroy your your machine when you really need it, right? Of all the times. Yeah. 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 So that's funny. Anyway, that's got to be my priority here in the next few days. Get that done. I hate doing it. Yeah, I did but, mine way early this year. Well, this is the first year that. Uh, I didn't get in the habit of each day taking anything related to tax returns and throwing it in a special place in a drawer. Uh-huh. And it got it got piled in with the junk because too many people cleaned up after me. Well, the, here's the real problem. We have a maid coming. Yeah. When thir- Thursday morning arrives, if I haven't cleaned up myself, the stuff all disappears. I said, where'd it go? Oh, yeah. it's in your room. Oh, yeah. wrong answer. Wrong yeah. answer. Yeah. Now, now you've got a pile of stuff. So now you, you, <laughs> you, it's not the doing of the tax. Well, the doing of taxes is no fun, but it's the prep work to gather everything together so that you can do the taxes. That is the worst yeah. part. So, so now it's monumental. Yeah. You know, by, by that, I mean monumental piles. 
Yeah, I say we go to a flat tax. There are no deductions. There's no nothing that can be taken out of it, and we don't even have to file taxes. It's just taken well, out, period. It's, pre- it's pretty much that way for me because it used to be that uh, charitable donations was a big part of the work, getting right. it ready. Yeah. And, and for the last two years, that's been included. They changed the tax law so that uh, they give you a credit from unless you have a lot more deductions than we have. Yeah, you have it, to have a ton to itemize anymore. Yeah. You know, to itemize so all that made, stuff They've out, made it so. easier. Yeah. So anyway, but I still got to go find the basic forms, yeah. you know. Well, and for a long time, too, you had a rental property, which also added some complexity to it because you had to deal with depreciation, depreciation of the value of that property and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah. So, but I still go to the tax return place because I don't want to do it. Yeah. Let them put it together. They, they know what they're doing. and I don't have to worry about it. If the IRS calls, I say, well, talk to my tax person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, I have an enrolled prepared. Talk to her. So so, uh, we were talking about the Apple Studio display. Apparently, yeah, it's got 64 gigabytes of storage. It's using about two. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that's probably the operating system that they've got, that they boot off, that they they boot the thing up To do the small list of IOs controllers and yeah stuff like that's that. pretty much it yeah they've got the the full ios on there to basically control what three microphones and a, and a camera and some sound yeah yeah and they probably do some nice sound shaping like you said to get the good quality sound out of that well the other thought that i had is, is there any condition under which they'd want to buffer a lot of storage or have several in there and then go flip through them or something you know it's fairly mm-hmm. high displays where if you wanted to have uh a briefing of a whole bunch of charts that are complex and yeah i don't know i don't know how that would work i mean you know they've got I, a really high speed feed from their devices so you know i don't know that they would that that's really even needed i i well that's the only way other way to do yeah. it you know the thing that uh, i thought of and and they don't offer it or mention it but what they i thought they should do is just put apple tv os on there and then you know for whatever it is 30 bucks you can buy the apple tv remote Use the Apple TV remote directly with the screen. You don't even have to have a computer attached if you want. And it's got sound, and it's got a processor that's already better than the Apple TV, and it's got 64 gigabytes, which is like the big Apple TV. And voila, you've got an Apple TV. Or what I was thinking about is on the TV, you know, uh, through Apple TV, I've got this set of artwork that I really like when I'm not using it. Put that in that storage and flip through, you know? Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe your your display um, your your screen um, saver pop is are are cached in there, right? You know, yeah. And maybe they're doing that. You know, they they could have you know they make the computer and the monitor. They can decide what sits where. Um, maybe they have that as a plan for the future, just to yeah. upgrade it somehow. But but yeah, I mean, it's like it seems it seems like an awful waste of computing power and storage to not do anything with it, other than the few little things they're doing. It seems like way overkill for that, you know. Um, yeah. but, uh, um, you know, there's been a lot of rumor about an Apple TV that was actually with a screen. Well, this really could be that pretty easily. Yeah, it could. Yeah. You know, so for the price of a $35 remote, you basically have a 27 inch Apple TV with really good sound and the ability to do FaceTime with family. Right. Um, you know, and if you live in a small apartment, a 27 inch TV is fine. Uh, that said, for probably less than a quarter of that price, you could probably go buy a 4K 
forty inch TV, which is a better yeah. t- which is better for watching TV. <laughs> you, know? You, know, you know, you know, I I, I thought about the, having one of these, and if, where would I put it? I'd have to put it in my office, and I yeah. don't want people to see my office. <laughs> well, that gives you incentive to keep the office in more presentable state. Of course, then you'll have to talk to the maid about not putting stuff in there, right? Piling it up. Yeah, it, it, before I make it, you know, I well, anyway, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah, it's it's yeah. like FaceTime. Yeah, I I sometimes hate for people to call me by FaceTime because you know you I, I'm an old guy, my hair goes all every which way, and you know I'm not. Yeah always ready to be looked at <laughs> yeah exactly exactly it's like you know i wasn't planning on going out today so i'm still sitting here in my jammies you know <laughs> i don't want i don't want to see you and you don't want to see me yeah so yeah yeah you know that's um that's why i don't think you know the the face type of technologies with facetime or zoom or skype are ever going to replace just audio communication for for most you know most stuff yeah most of the time, I don't want that. And, and you know, it's like even if I – I mean, imagine you're at the grocery store and somebody calls you. you. You don't want to, you know, walk around with your arm extended in front of you so that they can see your face, right? It just yeah. – it, audio works fine for being able to talk to somebody. Right. By the so. way, I was – on Saturday when I called Tobin, I said I intended to FaceTime you, but I couldn't get it to work. And it was because on his uh, – uh, the um, address book, that's not what, Contacts app. The Contacts app, uh-huh. uh, where I had Tobin in there, it did not have the uh, camera uh, in in green. It was only in gray. It was grayed out. That's and interesting. He's, he's the only one, and I don't know why. Uh, well, he is the yeah. lesser lesser child. But let me tell you, anyway, <laughs> what I mentioned, <laughs> no, I... I won't acknowledge that. <laughs> <laughs> well, as the parent, you're not supposed to. But, you know, as the older brother, I can do that. <laughs> yeah. And, and anyway, uh, I uh, he, he says, you want me to call you on FaceTime? I said, sure. And so he had no problem getting in. Now, if, if this app was smart, it would have said, hey, fix this thing so that I can get back to Tobin. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I don't because- understand why it was great. There's a lot of things about FaceTime that are just weird. Like, um, I was FaceTiming with the daughter the other day, and she wanted to show me her screen on her computer. She's FaceTiming on her computer. Uh-huh. In order to do that, you have to leave FaceTime, go into Messages, and send your and, and, and click on Share My Screen. Now, why am I going into Messages when I'm in FaceTime? There should be a button right in FaceTime that just says Share Your Screen. Yeah. You know? And we couldn't get it to work, so we said Screw it, and we used Zoom. You know? <laughs> and it's like, come on, Apple. You're supposed yeah. to be easy to use. I don't have to think about the technology. Just let me get my stuff done. And you made something so complex that I had to go to somebody else to do it because I couldn't do what is presumably technologically a difficult thing, but from my end should be a really simple thing. And somebody else obviously had it as a really simple thing. Why can't you do that? Yeah. You know, the other thing that's interesting is I go to uh, Bible study meetings up at the one of the uh, – uh, church rooms. It's a one double room, so we can get lots of people in there. But anyway, they have this gig- gigantic uh, screen. Uh, that's a touch. It's a touch screen, and it's a it's an Apple computer. Not an Apple. It's a 
Windows computer. Right. Okay. And uh, you can do everything that you can do via touch. Well, mm-hmm. if, if you're meeting, there's no one who wants to stand up there to be controlling it. But every once in a while, somebody has to get up to raise the volume or something. So it's it would be better if that was designed so that it would work from somebody's computer in the room. You know, whatever it is. I don't know what the app would be. Maybe even provide them an app, you know, so that you can do everything. That just, that just becomes your screen from your laptop. Let's say. Yeah. But, no, it's not that way. So we use Zoom, and because we now have two uh, computers on, the guy who wants to control it and put other stuff on the screen, you know, change, the, do a display or a presentation or whatever, uh, it, it's just a mangled mess. Uh, you can you can get feedback if you get both speakers going and whatever. So he's got a very careful set of steps he's learned to go through. But every once in a while you'll forget and mess up and and you and it squawks at you and all this other stuff. But mm-hmm. anyway, the uh, the display display the, the computer on the wall that's like 60 inches is uh, made by uh, View. A display Viewsonic. company. Viewsonic. Viewsonic. That's it. Viewsonic. You can go online and see. They have a whole bunch of those wall-based computers. Right. And and I thought about looking into it. Uh, uh, I did get online one time and I started to read about it to see if they had uh, an ability for somebody with a with either a Mac or a PC to actually control that display and use it in a more user-friendly way, but I didn't get mm-hmm. through it. They do have the operating system manual on there, but of course, when I went through it, it's just talking about how to how to use all the touchscreen features, you know, because <laughs> yeah. that's what they provided. Uh, so I, I don't know, it it just lacks a lot of u- in terms of usability and trying to use it with with a Zoom like, you know, capability. Yeah. The other the other thing that's kind of annoying about Zoom is uh, it ought to uh, sort of automatically uh, switch so that people when they talk, you know, they get big so that everybody in the room can see them. But instead, we got all these little screens in there. And I know my Zoom feature on the Mac is I can make it right. Pop, that, that's pop. on that's on Windows too. That's just a setting in Zoom. That has nothing to do with the computer. So whoever's setting it yeah. up just didn't turn that on. Yeah. But anyway, it's uh. It's kind of a mess. Yeah. And I always sit there feeling, you know, we, somebody spent a whole lot of money for that. I bet it was several thousand dollars uh, for the room system. And the other thing it doesn't have is a speaker for those that are in the second room that's part of this. You, from, from the, uh, if you're online and you're looking at this room picture from the camera that's on top of the, the 16-inch screen, it, it has no ability to zoom mm-hmm. in so you can see the speaker or anything like that. You know, these little tiny people way back there in the room, and, and and then you can't hear them if they talk. Well, there is a way that I can get a remote microphone and hang it from the ceiling back there. So I've suggested we at least get church to buy that so that, you know, if you're online, you can hear somebody when they, they speak. Yeah. So anyway, it, it all seemed like a kludge. Nobody looked ahead and saw all these ways that people would use this and, Right. Here's something cool. We'll give it to the church. They'll love it. Here you go. And then. They they didn't give it. They they 
they took they made a lot of money on that. Yeah, those, uh, okay. I think it was seven. I, the one we have, I think, is a seven thousand dollar computer. Ah, uh, okay. It wasn't a donation. You mean the church went and bought it? Yeah. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Okay. Because it's a conference room. You know, it's where we Well, have and, and it makes sense. Room. Right. Yeah. It's just, but somebody somebody needs to spend some time to educate themselves on how to take advantage of really using it and then share that with the groups that are using the room, you know? Yeah. And, and supposedly we have a technology person, but uh, they, they came and talked to Ray, the leader, for 15 minutes or something before he got to use it. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally well, and, and well, and unless Ray is a technology person, he's not going to absorb much of anything they said. And unless they're there to help him the first time he needs to use it with the group, then it's going to be minimally used. And so, yeah, it's just it's this sounds more like an operational issue than it really does a technology issue. <laughs> that, that, that operationally, you need somebody to to really help people use this thing in order to get the most out of it yeah because like well, just setting up zoom so that it then uh uh magnifies the the speaker you know that's an easy thing to do within the zoom app somebody should know how to do that that shouldn't be that hard yeah you know yeah so, sounds like you better step up dad well i had been their kind of consultant but because yeah. i have these problems of standing and i'm i'm always just sitting in my scooter right. i can't get around to yeah, well, and and it is anymore. a win. It is a Windows machine too, and you're fairly far, far removed from Windows days. You know, back yeah. back in the day, you would have gone, okay, well, we click on this, and here's where the settings are, and you know. But now it's like, uh, hold on, I have to remember all this stuff because I don't use Windows anymore because well, it the, stinks. the people that I had supplied <laughs> with old iPads, uh, you know, they were so glad to get rid of those and get back to their Windows machines. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, guess so, it's what you used so, to. Yeah. And so Zoom is is good for that, you know. It works for everybody, yeah. regardless of the kind of machine you got. Yeah. Well, it, I even was telling um, uh, my daughter, one of her friends had a, a computer that was dying, and she needed some way to, to get into Zoom for her classes when, when she was taking her master's program. And I said, buy a, uh, a really cheap tablet from uh, a Fire tablet from Amazon. They all have cameras uh-huh. on them, and they all support Zoom. You can get a $35 tablet that you can use for Zoom, and then you can run Zoom on that, and you can then have your laptop just for doing notes and looking things up while you're in class. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a great solution. Yeah, you know? yeah, sounds good. And they have a they have a seven inch, an eight inch, and a ten inch, and I think the most expensive one is like 250 bucks. And they start at literally, well, they start. I think the list price is like 80 or 60. But I've seen it on sale for thirty-five, like uh, you know, when they have their Amazon Day and around the holidays for the small one. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, that I, I can't imagine a cheaper way to to do, you know, Zoom calls on a brand new device with a reasonably good camera, and you know, yeah. and if it breaks, buy another one. They cost thirty-five dollars or fifty dollars. You know, I mean, they're not. It's it's not like you're buying a multi-hundred-dollar computing device to do that. You know, right? And they also have, you know, they're they're a perfectly good Kindle, so you can read books on them, and uh, and you know the Amazon stores there, so you can shop on them. I mean, they're they're actually pretty functional tablets. They're, I, I, that's you know, that's what I admire about Bezos. Yeah, you know, he 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 isn't in electronics to do anything but complement all of his other businesses. Yeah, and he does does that very well. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I mean, they you you uh, you want to watch um, you know streaming on your little uh, Fire tablet works just fine sure. for that. 
Works just yeah. fine, especially for the Amazon uh, Amazon Prime shows. Prime, but you yeah. can also watch HBO and Disney, and you know, um, it's it, their tablets. I, I I understand they're not, you know, head to head. They're nowhere near as as useful a tablet as an iPad. But you'd be hard pressed to say dollar for dollar that that they're not incredibly good value. Good values. value, yeah. yeah. I think he sells them at cost. I don't think he cares about making money on them. Yeah, they're just a means to get people to use his his services and pay for Prime and use it and and buy things through Amazon. Yeah, and he, and he makes that as easy as possible. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, yeah. No, I have he's a, a. He's a really good businessman. Yeah, I, I, I think he. It, it's between him and Musk, and and they're both of the class of uh, Steve Jobs. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. They've done some pretty phenomenal stuff they're dreamers who who take action yeah. you know and uh like uh oh. the i have one of the eight eight inch amazon fire tablets that i set up for my wife with skype on it and uh and she's got a little bluetooth bose speaker and she takes it in her classroom and plays music in the background and it, that's all it does yeah. you know she just downloads music onto it because they won't let her attach to the wi-fi there with with personal devices only school devices right. so so she brings it home every night and uh, and you know you can download music onto it from Skype or not Skype from um, uh, what's the Apple? Well, right. she doesn't use Apple because she's on the uh, on that one. It's uh, uh, now I'm blanking on the name of the other uh, music streaming service that's out there. Not Skype. It's um, the one you use. S. Uh, oh, I don't use it. I use Apple, Spotify? but my but my daughters use Spotify. Yeah, so my daughters and my wife use Spotify. So I download stuff on Spotify for her. And if you don't connect to an internet connection, you know, like at least once a month, it'll then uh, won't let you download the stuff anymore because it's got to say, you know, do you really still have an account? And uh, but she brings it home every night in her bag, and it connects to the Wi-Fi here, so that way she's got her stuff on there. Christmas time, I put Christmas music on it for her. She's got a couple playlists, all you know, like safe for playing in school, no explicit language, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and that works great for her. You know, and in a pinch, if she needed something to, you know, do a Zoom meeting or, um, or uh, you know, quickly look something up on the internet or whatever, she's got that little tablet there. She uses, she can use it for that. So, yep. so they're actually fairly nice devices. You know, they're they're a little slow and they're you know a little thick and you know they're, you know, they're hey, not, I wouldn't say buy that instead of an iPad, but but for a lot of people, it um, it's a better solution for you know depending on what you're doing with it. Speaking of Musk. Uh, did did he ever dr- drill that tunnel? You know, he owns that tunneling equipment. The boring uh, company. The boring company. Did he ever build that L.A. T- tunnel that he was talking about? No, he did one in Vegas. Oh, that's where it was. Okay, it's in Vegas. Las Vegas, and yes, he did that. And at the when they had the Consumer Electronics Show this year, they were running people in it to to show it off, and it went, uh, you know, like. Uh, I don't know. I, it's not very. It's not huge. It's it's you know a mile or two or maybe a quarter mile, something like that. Um, but yeah, but, they were they were taking and, people in it. Anyway, the key to it is is that he his tunnel is not nearly as big as the ones they used to make because uh, all he wants is a, is a track one track for a car and it's got to be an electric vehicle so he doesn't have to deal with all that exhaust issues of other cars. And there were several other things. That yeah, but it was. For, I think they had it going both ways, so it's enough for two. Well, he's two tunnels in. It's, it's set up for one oh, tunnel okay. at a time. It's just, you know. So, and and he intends, the plan was to make about 10-plus uh, levels of tunnels. 
So you, you don't, it doesn't matter how deep you go. You just, just line them up and, and go. Yeah. So he was having people lay those out for op, in optimal ways for at least Las Vegas uh-huh. uh, to try to figure out uh, the best, you know, ter- terminal points and all of that. Yeah. The so. boringcompany.com shows you uh, the tunnels. You're right. It's two tunnels, each one, the width of uh, wide enough to run one car. And then they've got Teslas there that showing, you know, you can get in one and go. Yeah, you can't you can't put anything but a Tesla in it now. It's not general purpose electric vehicle. And oh right. For, well, and that that way they know it fits and they know that it's got software on it to make sure that it doesn't like plow into a wall. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, and it goes real fast. I mean, the car gets in there and is, you know, it doesn't have to worry about cross walks or anything like that. It goes from end to end in minimum amount of time. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway. It's, that's that's pretty impressive. Yep. So Loop is an all-electric, zero-emissions, underground public transportation system in which passengers are transported directly to their final destination with no stops along the way. Located at the Las Vegas Convention Center, the LVCC Loop is the first commercially operating Loop system. Yep, yep. And so it is there. They've got pictures of it. Yep. So. Yeah, that's pretty impressive, uh operation i watched a whole video on youtube on it yeah so uh they've got a brand new they've got a brand new drilling machine called proof rock it drills one mile per week which is six times faster than their previous generation but it's still four to five times slower than a garden snail (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that He's always pushing the technologies uh, yeah. to their limits, you know. Yeah, he also likes word puns, so he calls you know his 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 company that digs holes. It's the boring company, you yeah. know. His, <laughs> the models for his car: the S, the three, the X, and the Y. And if you flip a three around the other way, it's an E, so that spells sexy, you know. <laughs> he yeah. likes word puns. Yeah. So. Anyway, I think we went through everything today. I shared with you a link to the Boring Company, by the way, so you can look at that. Uh, yeah, you... yeah, I've, I've got it up. Thank you. Yeah, because uh, it's kind of cool. They show a picture of the of the Teslas sitting there, you know, at the at one end of the of the convention center, um, you know, uh, loop that they've got set up. So yep. what it doesn't say, and I don't know, I think you probably could dig into it, is where does it go from the convention center to where, you know? Yeah, yeah, loop. What do they really mean? They don't mean if you look return to where you came from right it? well the picture there where they show the cars and the and the entries to the tunnels also has a big map up on the wall at one end but it's far enough away i can't see <laughs> i can't see where it is you know yeah introduce to learn more so maybe it'll tell you there's a map there uh yeah um yeah it doesn't say it but they said that uh it can go up to 150 miles an hour inside the loop. So those suckers are moving. Yes. Yes, indeed. So that that really uh, is a pretty ingenious thing. Yeah. Yeah, the idea is it, interesting. It, it's, it's simplicity and... Uh, right. Well, and I believe there's something that they're doing, too, with is not just a tube, but they actually have, like, some air handlers that, like move the air in the direction you're going so that you're, you know, that you're, Oh yeah. They're they're minimizing the air, um, uh, friction, friction as you drive down the tunnel each way. 
because the air is literally blowing in a loop down one and out the other, right? Or, and, and the other way in the other tube so that it's yeah. always uh, helping you drive. So interesting. Yeah, I, they still don't show a map of the loop that yeah, I can and, see. And, so I don't know where it goes if you're in Vegas, uh, you know. And, yeah, but as you read this too, there's interesting things like the mud that they take out of the tunnels that it drills out. They, they actually went into the brick business, pavers and stuff to build affordable housing, patios and all cool. kinds of stuff. Yeah. 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 It's like, so he know. uses everything he can, you know? Yeah. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. In, in fact, the tunnel itself is lined with the bricks that, that he makes from it, you know? Yeah. So they have the loop tunnels, which are public transportation tunnels. They have utility tunnels in which they put in uh, uh, flat maintenance surface as well as um, CCTV video, and and they run ut- public utilities and stuff through them. Uh, and they go anywhere from a quarter mile to infinite on those. Mm-hmm. They have freight tunnels, which are designed to basically move large freight boxes down through them. They've got pedestrian tunnels. Anywhere from twenty five hundred or from from one hundred to twenty five hundred feet, they're looking at about twelve inch in di- or twelve foot in diameter uh, tunnels is how they do it. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting, interesting. It says the tunnel operation is almost in, on inaudible if it's at least twenty feet, twenty eight feet down. Right. So yeah, they said they they dig an average of thirty feet under the ground. And there's no surface. Uh, typically more surface vibration felt from a pedestrian walking nearby than from the TBM operating 30 plus feet below T tunnel boring machine, I guess. That's what that's TBM. Yeah. TBM tunnel boring machine. Probably. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing, you know, in a fairly like what you would think of as a mundane um, type of business, right? But the, if you look at their page, they talk about, you know, um, uh, tunneling and earthquakes and the safety of tunneling and earthquakes, like during the Northridge and the Loma Prieta earthquakes in California mm-hmm. and Mexico City earthquake. Uh, and there are tunnels there. And they said there was no tunnel damage. And they actually end up using tunnels there. Now, these weren't boring company tunnels, but they're just saying that the technology of building safe tunnels, even in earthquake zones, is is pretty safe. The, the history, yeah. the record. You know, I was thinking that somebody like Luke, uh, Ukraine might like to have a tunnel right now to hide their people, you know, yeah. protect them. Yeah. Just, just as a safety thing. If a war starts, go get some tunnels going. Yeah. Well, he can do, what did he say? What did we say it was? A mile, a, was it a mile a day? That seemed like that was too much. Uh, I don't know. Go back to that beginning where they talked about it, where they, they're digging. But, uh, yeah, they, they had that stat when I, I read it to you earlier off of their webpage. One mile per week. Huh. They do a mile in a week. Yeah. You know, but a mile well, tunnel, you can put a lot of people in a mile-long tunnel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? He's been sending them uh, uh, satellite dishes. Maybe he needs to send them a, a, a boring machine. But but I'm just saying that, you know, the tunnels would now have another use, especially if we ever get into a nuclear war. you got a lot of people that want to get underground in a hurry. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, they're always in danger of collapse, I suppose, but you'd have to know where they are exactly. So. 
and I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be too close to a water source so that they could get flooded. Right, or or a tar source. And I say that because I've 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 seen the the results. The uh, Los Angeles built some subway systems, and they started building a subway system down below Wilshire Boulevard, going tar pits, huh? And they got to within about a uh, 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 couple hundred yards, maybe a thousand yards from the La Brea tar pits, and went, "Hey, what's this seeping into our tunnels? Huh. Tar, dude, it's tar." Um, and so they had to shut the tunnel down there. And so you can you can't take a uh, the the plan was to have a subway that would go from uh, Los Angeles's Central Railway Station uh, subway all the way to the um, to Hollywood where the shopping center is, and yeah. it stopped a couple of miles shy of that at like Wilshire and um, uh, what was it Wilshire. Um, I can't remember, but somewhere on Wilshire, before you get to the La Brea Tar Pits, it didn't make it as far as Fairfax. It's about a mile shy. I think it's uh, uh, like near the Wiltern Theater. So that would be, um, let's see, what does Turn stand for? That was the name of the other street. I can't think of the name of the cross street. But anyway, oops. Yeah. So, you know, but you're right. You don't want to, you can't do it. In, I, I would imagine it probably wouldn't work real good in Florida where the water table is a few feet below ground. Um, well, I guess that I would guess that he runs from the airport in Vegas to the convention center and back. That would be at least one route that you know. Oh, possibility, yeah. The airport. I didn't even think about the airport. And, and if there's a big bus terminal or something like mm-hmm. that, maybe there, you know. It's it's to interconnect transportation systems. Yeah. I bet that they wouldn't let him do it to the airport, the uh uh, you know, the uh, Uber drivers and the taxi cab drivers have blocked uh, subway access to the airports in New York, too. <laughs> oh, is that right? <laughs> Don't steal our jobs, man. Yeah. Taxi businesses. That's what he's trying to do. He's taking the money away from the taxi cab drivers. Yeah. I just Googled Las Vegas boring loop map. So let's see if they will, if I can find a map that shows where it goes. Okay, so it goes, oh, great. It goes from the South Hall to the new exhibit hall on the other side. So Is it goes, that all? It goes from one side of the, um, of the, from the hall to the other. Yeah, that's it. So it basically never leaves the grounds of the, uh, of the center. So that's, well, realize that's probably quarter mile-ish. I would think that he would never want that release information released if you built a lot of other tunnels, because then it just tempts somebody to say, "Ah, oh, all I have to do is dig down here, and I can get into your tunnel." Yeah. You, you, you don't want that to. Well, be known. apparently they're expanding it to a 29-mile tunnel network with 51 stations, but right now. Uh, it's a three-station loop consi- uh, uh, consisting of 1.7 miles of tunnel. It yeah, took, took, took them about a year to build it. What you're telling me is that they're going to continue to work on this as, as long as they, they got the funding. and uh, Yeah. So they, they say they're going to expand it, so it'll probably end up going all over. Of course, you know, those big hotels that they put up, they're, they're like they're like upside down icebergs. They go, you know, twenty stories up, but they most of them go, you know, three to five stories down into the ground in order to to hold that building. So yeah. he, he won't be able to go under a hotel unless he goes a lot deeper. 
Um, but that doesn't mean he couldn't go like right down the middle of, of Las Vegas Boulevard or something like that. Um, yeah. I don't, you know, just, you, you have to be aware of what's already under the ground when you're digging. Right. So hope so. Hopeful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. you don't want to run into something and find out it's the footings for a building. You know, <laughs> that would right. be, that would be bad. Uh, that would be bad. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, so. I'm sure that with, uh, there's plenty of equipment to go out and find out what's along the path you're digging. Sure. There's companies that do that. I mean, even if you try to dig in your own yard, you're supposed to get one of those companies to come out and tag where the gas lines and electric lines are. So you don't kill yourself or blow something up. Yeah. You know, you're not supposed to just start digging. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's people who do that, that keep track of that stuff and know where it's at and know how, and have like ground penetrating radar and stuff to go find stuff that we think it's here, but we're not exactly sure where, you know, so they'll find yeah. it and tell you exactly where it is. So you don't, don't, uh, cause problems. Archaeologists are interested in what's down there too, but they want to go through it a piece of grain of sand at a time, you know? Yeah. Well, and if, and, you know, and if they, it, Quite honestly, anytime you're digging anywhere, if you find something interesting, they'll stop you and go look at it. You know, you come across a burial ground from, you know, uh, a civilization that predates us or 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 even, you know, animals and species that predate us. People want to know about that stuff. So, yeah, you know, that's just part of the part of the well, deal. When well, you're as you said, we're, 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 we're going overtime now, Todd. So maybe we ought to say goodbye. Now's the time to say goodbye. All right. So thank you so much for joining us today on Generation Tech. Check out our other shows, uh, Two Minute Tech and Two for Brew. And we will be back again next week. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye.